So, yeah. Picks of the week. I quite like that, actually. <laughs> we should also do a section where it's called, like, Scotty's ASMR, and you have to do just a new ASMR each week. Oh, boy. I could just rub well, my beard against the ukulele mic. out? Yeah, you could just get that ukulele and just start doing stuff with the ukulele. And... <laughs> yeah. Sure. Okay, welcome one and all to episode 49 of the Mega Vision Show, the companion podcast to Mega Visions Magazine. Today is Woo! August the 30th, 2020. I'm Graham, the production editor of Mega Visions Magazine. Uh, with me, as always, we have Chris, the editor in chief of Mega Visions, and Scotty Doesn't Mow, the managing editor of Mega Visions. How's it going, fellas? Scotty, how are you doing today? I'm good. I got a special treat for us if we're ready. Ooh. Oh, hell, what, what is what that? What it is? Oh, my I'm God. I'm going to do the, uh, it's the Sonic Peach Rings. It's been sitting on my desk for a while, so now it's wet, but, and I don't know. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's do this real quick. Wet Sonic Peach Rings. We're going to crack one open with the boys here. Um, this is the G Fuel official drink of esports Sonic Peach Rings. Um, yeah, that's what it's called. So, I said Scott was going to well, do an you ASMR. Smell it before you even <laughs> think about it. Wow. <laughs> so, I was really into Peach Rings as a kid, and uh, I would always get those at Blockbuster. They'd be on this, the, I love the those. Impulse stand. It tastes exactly like those. Exactly really? like those. Yeah, it is all peaches. How much sugar is in that? Um, <laughs> calories zero. Big old ring right there. Oh, um, so it's it's like a diet drink then. So oh. fat zero. Where is the sugar? Let's see here. Um, I bet it's going to be zero it? because there's oh, there's no yeah. calories. There's no yeah, like, yeah. Real it says sugar total carbs zero. Total total sugar zero includes zero grams added sugars. What's so. it sweetened by? Um, it's, oh. uh, there's a lot of potassium in here, not a significant <laughs> source of saturated fat, trans fat, cholesterol, dietary, bop, 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 bop. Let me see what the first ingredient is. Uh, carbonated water, malic Sonic acid. Dick. Yeah. Broccoli and kale are in this thing? Wow. Well, it's healthy. It's a I healthy mean, drink. Yeah. At the very end, it is says Is this supposed to be like cherry. Sonic's favorite drink? Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's is not Sonic bad. favorite drink? I mean, these things normally taste horrible. Maybe that's why I can take it, too, because zero sugar. I used to be an energy drink fiend, and I it got to the <laughs> point where I could not drink I the sugar tell. ones. I could only drink the uh, sugar-free stuff because they actually hurt my teeth. So uh, this is the Performance Energy Limited Edition. I don't There's think you've ever needed an energy drink in your life, Scotty. <laughs> why do you say that, Chris? <laughs> because you always seem to have plenty of energy for everyone around you. And, like, you... On like three or four Red Bulls, I'm afraid to see. That's how I got through too many games this weekend. Oh man, that's how. I imagine Scotty could see through time if he has a Red Bull. <laughs> yeah. Like the flash. So, what you, how would you rate like this? Like Star Scotty? Trek and the um, Out of one through five, how would you rate this? Oh well, it tastes actually good. It actually tastes good. Um, and the can is fun. I was bummed out the box that it comes in doesn't have Sonic anywhere on it. Uh, it's just uh, a generic can. Um, I'll give it a. I'll give it a. I'll give it a four. Wow, that's pretty good. It tastes Where better than most energy drinks. I got on how do G people Fuel's, get this? G Fuel's website. I don't know what that website is. G Fuel Fuel dot party. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it is. But that's just the real legit feedback. Get ready for a Scotty Mo unboxing later on. 
It'll probably be up oh. in this video and recording's up. Yep. Awesome. <clears throat> now let's go to uh, Scotty Moe's YouTube. Um, Ooh, it doesn't taste good the second sip. That's or the, oh. the after the fact. Weird. Does it have a weird aftertaste? A little bit. Um, but like it does, toenails like, and eerily like toe jam? a lot like peach rings, which again, I was a big, I can't even eat those anymore because they're so sugary. They hurt my teeth. So, wow. Don't get old and brush your teeth more kids and drink Sonic <laughs> G fuel. It's so funny. At this point these. now, like in my life, I have to brush my teeth after any sugary substance that I, that oh, I, no, like, dude. I can't, I can't feel like the, the sugar. I know you're supposed to wait like 20 minutes and wash yeah. your mouth with like warm water. I do all that. Um, okay. But you better, um, better to clean your teeth before you have anything sugary. Like, cause that gives you the protective coating. If you brush in oh. straight after eating something sugary, it actually rubs the sugar into your teeth. It's actually really mm. bad for you. Mm. So yeah, that's why you have to wait a little bit and also wash it out. Uh, so that's a little t- fact, little tip there for you. So I don't know if I believe three. you, Graham. <laughs> <laughs> Graham's dental uh, diagnosis for the week. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You been up to anything else, uh, Scotty? Oh, yeah, plenty. Sorry, I didn't know we were going into my crap. Um, Yeah, I let me get my notes here. Um, I did actually try. So we recorded. We're on a weird recording schedule, and I forgot to mention it last episode um, that I did play. I tried to play Echo future days of future past that's what the game's called <laughs> uh, <laughs> for the dreamcast of the future <laughs> is that what it is um yes. and i have it right next to me Ta-da. yeah well I, I was that ready was, to stream it next to me. nice i was ready to stream it so i popped it in and i you know before i started any going live or anything i tested it out it got to the title screen i hit start cool game loads i start streaming i go live Disc doesn't work at all. I tried turning oh. the system off and on again, taking it out, putting another disc, whatever, oh, all this stuff. wasn't working. I'm like, okay, cool. This has been the stream for 20 minutes. Well, let's do something fish-related, I guess. So I put in Sega Bass Fishing and played that for two <laughs> hours. And it was actually really cool. And I think I talked a person in the chat room into getting a fishing rod controller. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, That's hilarious. so shouts out to Red Jaguar. He's always in there hanging out. But, oh, um, yeah. But he was, He's been yeah. hanging with us on Fridays, too nice yeah, he going. was he was legit asking like is this a are you actually having fun with this thing like i thought this peripheral was a joke and i basically said like this is the most i've used it in an actual fishing game let me tell you about the other games that use the fishing rod <laughs> controller and um no but that was actually a lot of fun uh it was cool playing that and it's such a chill game that especially after having a stressor of oh one of my games doesn't work that i've never actually played but was really looking forward to it was Nice to have like a relaxing game to play after that. So, and people were getting into it and they were digging the, it, that game's so goofy and it's definitely campy with like, uh, um, big one or whatever the hell it says when you catch a oh, fish yeah. and stuff <laughs> like that. Uh, and just the person's wrist that moves in unnatural ways when they're holding the fish and stuff like the best is like when the fish is so, the fish looks dead as it's about to enter your boat if it's a really big, like double digit pounder. Um, there, that's, there's the title um (laughs) but like so it looks like it's dead because it's floating but then your arms just casually go into the water and you like pick it up like it is a ceremonial thing it's great um so that was fun uh i was glad that i actually got to play that game and, and use the fishing rod more than i have for a legit fishing game um other than that though uh i did finish watching the docuseries high score on netflix 
Um, have you, have either, I don't remember if either you mentioned you were trying to start it or anything like that. I started about five minutes of it and then just started doing other stuff. Um, gotcha. It's just, it's still not, I, I don't know. I'm having a hard time getting into it because I just feel I need to give it a shot. But what are your thoughts on it? Cause I feel like it's just a rehash the trailers that I've seen. It mm. looks like it's just rehashing the same story that we've already been told several times now. So is that, is that the case? Um, I think that this is good for someone who has not seen a single video game documentary in their life. But after that, they should look into other sources. Um, The reason I say that is it's entertaining. The production value is clearly very high. They went to Japan for a lot of stuff, got a lot of footage. That's pretty cool. But overall, (laughs) the it has such broad strokes, such broad strokes like Mm -hmm. it, it. It. they didn't even mention Robert Bear, who made the Magnum Box Odyssey, which is the first video game home console. He's not in it wow. anywhere. Like, that's not mentioned. And then, um, let me take a look here and see what I have. I mean, uh, you could even do something like that in a, just a, t- a quick timeline. You yeah. know, just like, yeah. this is where it that started, also... Robert Bear invented this, and then blah, 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 blah. It takes you, yeah. you know, maybe 30 seconds in a documentary to do something like that. And it, it's a way to have some, like, really neat graphics on right. infographics and things like now that, that you so mentioned that now that i think about it there was never like a literal in most documentaries or something like this you see mm-hmm. a timeline with someone some character running across or something that never happened in this i, I just because a lot of timelines that. will play out chronologically so yes, it's like if you're going to do it on a subject yeah. you might as well start at the beginning and work your way to present which <laughs> is like how most documentaries are structured it did i fun. liked how it started i liked that they talked about um the first like Space Invaders tournament ever, which was the first video game tournament ever, which was cool because a girl actually won that. Uh, so it was oh, neat wow. to hear about that. And nice. but, so that's where it started was like arcades and stuff. Um, it, but it and and it was cool that they mentioned the Channel F console, which was the first console that had interchangeable cartridges. And I forget the guy's name that mentioned it, which is fitting because he never got credit huh. due. I'm so I'm bad about that. We can maybe edit it in and throw it in or something. Um, Our boy Thomas K has been there, though, right? Oh, he sure is. He looks like like your typical white dad going to play tennis because he's got a freaking sweater <laughs> tied around his neck and stuff. Oh, but, I love it. Hell yeah. Um, no, he... I I enjoyed seeing him in that. I, he he looks like he's always just ready to just talk about Sega, and that's great. Um, but no, but with that though, oh, okay. So there is they they break up the episodes, and one of the episodes it starts with the console war between Sega and Nintendo, and that's fine and all. And they talk about you know before that they kind of talk about the creation of Mario, sort of. But with the creation of Sonic, they they interviewed uh, uh, Naoto Oshima who. Designed Sonic. He's he made Sonic a blue hedgehog essentially. Like he was the design behind it, but and thought, oh, maybe he should be a rabbit first and stuff. And he talks about like his trip. He had a trip to Pittsburgh and asked people, like literally in Central Park, what do you think about this character? And kind of troubleshot it with the public, which I thought was really cool. That specific thing I didn't know about. Um, but uh, and so they talk about Sonic and the creation of Sonic. Are you saying I, Oshima came to Chicago? No, uh, New York. Did I say Chicago? Uh, maybe you said New York, but so Oshima <laughs> came to New York. He just happened to be to in, actual... like, he had a trip to New York planned after. Oh, uh, I see. Already okay, planned. Okay. And like, it just worked out that while he was there, he did this kind of um, um, surveying of what Sonic should look like. So they talk about that and talk about the first Sonic game and how it's like roller coaster themed and things like that. I kid you not, not once is Yuji Naka's name mentioned. Not 
<laughs> he designed the Sonic games. He is the reason Sonic plays like it does. Like he is tied to Sonic. He's a programmer, more right? Than, he was a yeah. programmer on the original Sonic. Right. Yeah, and he went on to make these things. Like so it has Oshima but not Yuji Naka. And then later on they have um John Romero talking about Doom, uh which is really cool. He's he's just a fun guy to listen to cuz he's st- he's still just as much a metalhead teenager as he was when he made the first Doom pretty. <laughs> he much. likes that rock star aura for his yeah. character and yeah. he keeps so that it's, rolling. It's, so good but it was really cool to hear about him and John Carmack how they basically had their metal lair when they were making the first Doom and everything. But they don't have John Carmack, so but they talk about him, and the way they talk about him gives people the idea that he literally created um, a network play multiplayer like overnight just by staring at a computer. Is the way they portray it because he just <laughs> he basically stayed overnight and tried to figure out how to have one on one computers fighting each other uh, in Doom, which is also a crazy thing to think about. So I think this series does a good thing in terms of conveying like there was a point where we could not just play real people against each other on the internet or even in the arcades like street fighter was the first one of the first games that had you fight another person instead of just fighting the computer which is a huge deal and crazy to think that there were at least two decades before that even happened in arcades um yeah they mentioned the game crash briefly uh but it's it's just extremely broad strokes which is it it bums me out because this is going to be people's introduction to all games. Some people, cause it's on Netflix and it's a thing on there, but like, like, yeah, they, they have John Romero, but John Carmack's not there. They have Oshima, but Yuji Naka's not even mentioned. Like Tom Kalinske does go through a lot of things, but they spend like 15 minutes talking about how the first Madden game was made. And I'm like, that's not all Sega's legacy was along with their marketing and stuff. Like they spend so much time on that, but then nothing else on like, how it uh it 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 i'm gonna i'm gonna go crazy here i'm gonna sound a little crazy if if you're a hardcore gamer check this out but don't put much to it if you're a hardcore sega fan at this point you cannot call yourself a sega fan if you have not read console wars because holy crap i kept thinking about like oh my god they skipped this oh my god they skipped this oh my god where's (laughs) like going back to the odyssey the magnavox odyssey and everything it's like the first console was not an Atari system, and like <laughs> it, some stuff sort of drove me nuts. Uh, but what was really cool is they did have a part dedicated to Night Trap, uh, and they actually had, and I didn't write his name down. The creator of Night Trap was in the documentary, so he, you got to hear it from him how the augers were Ooh, first ninjas. Tom V, Tom, then, Tom something, right? Tom V. Uh, um, no, I don't want to look it up because my internet will lag out. Um, I want to say it was like. Uh, but he, um, but it was really cool. I think it's really cool because I mentioned that's a game that people missed. Uh, it was really neat to hear how the augers, which are the enemies, started as ninjas and then vampires and then vampires with no teeth and then slow vampires with no teeth and then they have a gun that has a drill in it. And I think it's cool <laughs> that people get to see all that stuff and how Night Trap was taken so far out of context in Congress. And like I showed this to Rachel because she really likes Night Trap and she every time there was someone in congress talking about night trap she was just like shut the fuck up (laughs) like it was great to see i'm like yeah honey damn the man because this is how fucking stupid they were with this video game but then the creator talks about how sales skyrocketed for night trap as a result of it being the game that made congress angry with mortal Kombat, 
and stuff Tom like Zito that. Tom Zito was the guy I was thinking of. He was one of the founders of Digital Pictures, but oh. I don't think he had anything to so do with the design. The designs with James Riley and Rob Phillip. Yeah, James Riley. He was the one that oh. they interviewed, and okay. he's he's like a supervising um, effects director now for TV and stuff. I didn't wow. know that, so it's really cool that he went on to do that stuff. Um, but it was it's only six episodes, so if you I watched it in a week. Um, it, it starts with Space Invaders and goes up to Doom, basically. But it does jump around a lot with talking about like esports and how it, how video games is a multi billion dollar industry now, and and it has like cool snippets of like here's how EA started, here's how um, Midway kind of did this thing, here's how Night Trap started on what would have been a um, oh shoot Hasbro machine, I think it was or something. Uh, oh, wow. So there are cool parts in it. But there's so much misinformation. I think this is. I think this has something. This this documentary is targeted to the same people who are also targeted for like things like the Nintendo Mini and the Genesis Mini and things like that. These are people that are not hardcore gamers that don't already know um, like all of this information. That these are the people that didn't read Console Wars. These are just kind of like the general gaming audience. I think this is something for them, not your hardcore gamer. Um, but I do think it's interesting. I would say, because you did bring up um, uh, John Carmack and those guys, if you're yeah. looking for a book that really goes in depth and is fantastic um, on like the early beginnings of like Doom and Id, I would suggest uh, Masters of Doom oh, by um, mm-hmm. David Kushner. It is a fantastic read. I've not even finished this. I started reading it a couple years back. I'm like around halfway through with it. But it's fantastic. Uh, it's it's really neat. It it goes very in depth um, on like Carmack's uh, relationship and how he ended up like ultimately leaving and everything. Um, it's oh. it's fascinating, and it's also like right down the road from where I grew up because this is all That's like cool. in like North Texas, right? Wow. So um, I grew up, you know, right around that area. So it's kind of neat for me to um to hear about that. Carmack's an interesting guy too. So. That's the thing too. Yeah. He is not human, and this really just <laughs> glosses over yeah. that because. I'll never forget. I mean, I've never really watched too much around him, but um, Joe Rogan's interview with him. If you hear John Carmack talk, he is a rocket scientist that decided to make video games, basically. Yeah. He is a genius. <laughs> but the way this documentary makes it sound is like so just some nerd stared at his computer for one straight night and he created online multiplayer. Like, that's not how it works. Not anyone can this, sit down and do that. This book actually goes in depth in like him talking about like he's presented a problem and like uh for instance like in doom of like how to create like uh some of like the the different walls and structures and everything and then yeah. play it out and, and actually have it like moving at a and decent clip and... yeah it's every it, it this book goes really in, in depth on some of that stuff and so that's cool. i i would definitely suggest checking that out um really really I grab really that good book. i need i want more I've been watching so many documentaries lately that i i think that that book would probably be a good t- this would be a good time for me to grab that um so yeah, but it, it's just yeah, it's a it's very well produced, and unfortunately, I think that's going to hide the fact of how little information it actually provides. Um, but a lot of the things are feel good stuff because they also talk about something I didn't know too much about a game called Gay Blade, which was the first uh, gay and lesbian game created, which was a text based yeah. adventure kind of early PC thing that was literally literally had a member members of like Congress and different uh, religious figures and stuff like as enemies in the game, which was hilarious to me. Um, (laughs) 
and how but it was cool because that game was lost the source material the source code and people really don't understand you know this always goes back to Panzer Dragoon Saga how people are like why can't you find the source code isn't it just on a computer or like no it's in a box like in the ceiling somewhere in an old Sega de- uh, <laughs> building and it's not knows. like it's stored on a shared drive or something yeah. like that it's yeah. probably like a, a bunch of like discs or diskettes or something like that like thrown yeah. in some old box yeah and, but like they talk the day, about like, go ahead oh, i was just saying back in the day like this is i believe this happened in video game stuff as well but a lot in like video production like tvs and stuff um because like, i know the bbc were talking about this on like a documentary i watched that like they've got some old tv shows that have got lost episodes like they wish they were aired once back in the day and then those those because like reels and stuff was so expensive like you know storing it was expensive they just wiped over it and recorded something new on it so his tv oh, shows yeah, have got yeah, lost yeah. episodes forever now basically right, because right, they were right. broadcast once and uh yeah then like oh we need to it's like oh we're not going to show that again you know no one's really going to care like 50 years time who's going to watch this still I yes think... people do still want to watch it they just didn't think about it yeah. i think that happens in the video game industry back in the day like these smaller companies especially you got to you got to make space you know you can't storing stuff costs money basically yeah. So yeah stuff just gets lost yeah yeah and and people forget that the video game um video game foundation like is a very new thing and finally the library of congress actually has a place for video games because like yeah how are we going to store this is i'm going on a tangent but i wonder if this has something to do with why the virtual boy is suddenly getting a resurgence because that's something that you can find emulations and roms of the virtual boy but at the same time the only way you're going to ever have a the full experience of the Virtual Boy is if you have that thing suctioned to your dumb face and you're playing those. So <laughs> more people are seeking it out now for some reason. But I think oh, that wow. kind of goes back to like... But what I was going... With Gayblade, it was a game that he literally lost in, in a move, like moving from one place to another. Ah, but So he yeah. reached out on the community and as this documentary was getting made, it actually came back and people found it. So they had a little blurb at the end there saying like, fans on forums and crap actually found the old source code for this game and now you can get it through freeware online and stuff so there are definitely cool like feel-good moments in this documentary but if you're gonna watch this don't take this as hard fact because they skip over a lot of stuff and you should definitely look and i'm I'm not joking and i will stand by this you can you are not a sega fan until you have read console wars (laughs) because of how Uh, crucial that is finish the book (laughs) graham i know you're scared of it finish it i I've just got this thing about documentaries and books and stuff about a subject that I love, like video games, for example. So I always find they, they miss stuff. They have full, like wrong information or whatever. Like I've seen stuff in the past and it used to make me angry and just annoyed. So I well, just that's good, don't though. really go near that stuff. I just, I just don't, I just like go, don't go near it. So I, I, I know everyone tells me about the console wars is amazing. I feel like I've actually got it. I think I've got it on Kindle. Okay. Uh, so I should read it. And the, the book that Chris mentioned, that Master of Doom, that's something I think would interest me because it's about one specific thing. And it's almost that's like... the thing. There's so many things. Like, and and it, going back to how I mentioned last week, Not For Resale, the documentary about retro stores, they they first set out, like, they're, they're spitballing at it. They're like, let's do a documentary on video games. But then they're like, how in the world could we possibly encompass that? And so I thought that's why I gave this a chance, too, because it's a series. It's six episodes. Like, you could cover a decent chunk of video yeah. game history, but really there's so much. And I think they did yeah. do a good job of generalizing it. Um, and I understand where you're coming from. That's a good mindset though. You don't want to, 
just take everything you read for fact. Um, that in mind, I really want you to finish Console Wars, Graham. And if, okay. if you guys are down for it, I will read it again. And we could have a separate Sideshow podcast on just that book because I think it would be a really cool discussion. Yeah. We should do a live reading, um, like every oh, yeah. Sure, it's like, a, we, it's take, a, we take it notes. <laughs> I wonder if that's a thing where people like live stream reading a book. Oh um, no, oh, so they do. It is read Wars. Yeah, yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> no, I know, I know. Yeah, we that, should do that. I know people that do that with um with comics, and it actually some people make money off that. Not a living, but they make money off that. Oh so, wow! This, this is this is this is this how we get out of this hellhole. Yeah. Uh, also, <laughs> also, one final side note of what I've been up to: this stuff quick kicked in pretty quick. <laughs> That's responsible uh, for the tangents you just went on. Peaches, <clears throat> um, probably because I did have notes, but I went far beyond this. <laughs> so, Chris, what have you been up to this week? So I've been watching a lot of Hammer flicks uh, to get ready for the next Bloodsucking Geeks podcast because oh, we are doing a uh like a two-part special on hammer uh i'll be honest like i am not a hammer expert at all um i've watched a few hammer films over the years uh but it wasn't a couple until a couple years ago that i really started getting into it i i bought a couple like uh blu-ray uh special you know bundles from scream factory and I dude, I love the Hammer films. It, it's so good. Like the ones I've been watching, uh, specifically a lot of the Frankenstein Hammer films with Peter Cushing. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen them, um, but basically, <clears throat> uh, the original Frankenstein movie was the first Hammer um, was one of the first Hammer horror films that they ever did. But they were so afraid that Universal was going to sue them because they had just made Frankenstein. And obviously, you know, it got super, super popular. Um, and so they didn't want them to get, basically, to get uh, sued. So they had to make uh, their version of the monster look visually much different. Um, mm-hmm. And it was a- actually Christopher mm-hmm. Lee who played the first uh, uh, monster. And if you look at him, he looked he looked more like a zombie than anything else. His <laughs> The makeup just looked terrible, um, honestly. But he his acting was fine. Uh, Peter Cushing is so amazing. And the things that I love about the Hammer Frankenstein movies is that the monster itself isn't the star or the the main character, which you see in a lot of the Universal. It's all about, like, the monster. Um, but there's the Hammer ones is all about Frankenstein. Um, and the monsters are kind of a second thought. It's just, like, each movie he get, get he's making, like, a new monster and stuff. So you don't see a lot of carryover. Um and it's just the first film ends with it's looking like he's going to go out to like a guillotine and get beheaded because of all the craziness that he did. Um, the second one picks up right after that. Like literally like when the first one ends, it it picks up and kind of goes uh, its own way. The thing that I love about Peter Cushing's portrayal of Frankenstein is most of the time he seems a, like a genius. He seems like very, very like, um, which which one is this? Which movie? This is the second Frankenstein movie okay, so from the Hammer. Hammer portrayal of him. Yeah, ha- the Hammer okay. Frankenstein films, because Peter Cushing does is 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 Hammer's Frankenstein basically. Interesting. Um, and he so he's you see the genius in his character, and a lot of times like you can kind of understand where he's coming from because the way he explains like why he's doing what he's what he is doing is because he is trying to better he's trying to 
you know, better humanity. He's trying to continue, um, you know, getting people who have died to be able to come back. Um, and he's learning more about the actual process and how to, he's learning that basically he knows now that he can bring a dead body back, but he, he's found that you have to have a living brain. Essentially you have to take the brain of someone who's alive and immediately basically like immediately take it from them and put it in the dead body. And then, you know, send some electrical current to re like, I guess, restart the, that, that body system and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's moments throughout all of this, like when he's, you know, just a genius and he's got his shit together that you see the, like, maniac behind all of this. He'll do something like attack a woman and, like, rape her, for instance, because he did that in the first movie. Um, that's when you realize, like, wait a second, this guy is he's fucking crazy. He's not a good guy. <laughs> but I'll, then, like, the next scene, the next day, he's just, like, talking like it never happened. Um, hmm. And so... He's a fucking psycho, um, but it's done in such a way that you don't really tell that he's a psycho until like these little moments throughout the film. And it's awesome because of it. It it it's it's such a good series. Um I'm on the second one right now, about to finish it. Uh, the second Frankenstein Hammer film, I should say. And then I'll go on to those. I think there's four in total. Wow. And then I've I've watched several of the the Dracula films, the mummy. Um, that they've done. Uh, but if you've never watched any of the, the classic Hammer films, I definitely suggest you give them a shot because they're all filmed from like the late 50s. Um, I think in the 80s, Hammer was still around, but they started kind of going downhill. Um, and they had a, a bit of a resurgence, I think in the late 90s, maybe, or the early 2000s. Um, and I, from what I hear is that there's some rumors that they're going to be coming back out again with the publishing arm. So Hammer itself wasn't like a guy necessarily it was a a group of guys that um yeah (laughs) hey hammer um and so when i say hammer it's not like one it's not like spielberg or something it's not like a director or producer hammer was basically like a publishing studio um that that produced movies and things like that they just called it hammer um but it it started basically by like these two english um guys um and then just continue to branch out from there and they didn't even start with horror at first either they eventually get, got into horror as as time went on but um i think there's just a fantastic history if you're into horror uh definitely check out hammer films i can get my wife to watch it because she loves period films so mm-hmm. like um downton abbey and all that kind of stuff but the cool thing is is a lot of hammer films are set in that same time frame that same same period so she is interested in watching them because of that setting <laughs> it just so happens like, to be what's that why would she not be i thought she liked horror films too she likes horror but she prefers newer horror movies oh, okay rather than like old and vintage horror she's not too into that unless it's like a real it, it's a classic like if we yeah. watch the thing or something you know it's like a little bit older but it's still okay. an amazing film um she can watch That's those but if i'm if i'm sitting here trying to watch blood-sucking freaks or something like that yeah. something that's just wild and crazy she's she is out she's like I'll, you do that i'll i'll read my book um uh-huh. which um she's also fucking basically taken over my kindle graham you remember when i bought the kindle <laughs> i bought the kindle to read graham's book i asked her i was like hey would you want one of these she's like no i like i prefer reading real books oh, no. i'm like oh, that's okay fine with me um i just want to no. know if like you'd want one because this is what I'm going to be primarily using to read books now. And 
she got it in her mind that she could read this one book that she wanted to get. Um, I guess it wasn't available to purchase by paperback or something, but she found it on the Kindle store. So she started using my Kindle and now she won't put it down. <laughs> Every, she's always using it now. And which is fine because yeah. I'm glad that she's using it and everything, but it's, um, it's just funny that now it's basically become her Kindle. Um, yeah. So how far into my book, Chris? Uh, I'm on chapter three, I think. <laughs> God. So, so um, basically the start. <laughs> I think I'm farther in it than I got the last time. That's so funny. And I'll say I'm like enjoying 40 it. chapters in this book. I made it's like I was doing really well at first until she took it, and I haven't been able to get it back since. Oh, so she's had it for about a month now. You need to buy um, another one. <laughs> one of the um, talking about Frankenstein. One of the uh, like. Uh, I have a psychology degree. And one of the things that you learn about with like serial killers and insane, like mentally unstable people, the most insane are also the most likable people. So somebody mm. might've done their research with that stuff. Like they, the, 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 the craziest people are the, I, it's, it's cliche to say, but the craziest people are the least expect one, the ones you least expect. But yeah, one of the like diagnoses of them is they are, I don't know if that's even a diagnosis. I'm, Hey, haven't used my degree in years, everybody. I'm not saying I'm a licensed anything, but I do recall in a, like my, uh, social psych classes and stuff. That was one of the things about people that are the most insane that you hear about in the news is everybody would really got along with them. Well, so they're very personal. Yeah, so that's, that's kind of fitting. Isn't it? A, there's a thing that they they actually mimic what people yep. in certain situations they're in. If they're with someone, they will sort of mimic their facial expressions, and what they're, more than they're almost their emotions. Yeah. yeah. So that 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 draws you in a bit more because you're like, oh, this person's just like me, like like yep. engaging really well. But they they don't feel anything. But that's what they're doing. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> it's crazy. Kind of freaky and freaky that way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and, yeah. Uh huh. Go ahead. I was gonna. I was gonna change the subject. Okay, well, with Frankenstein, have you ever read the book, Chris? Never. I've never uh, read the book. Rachel did, and it's dry as hell, but it's very interesting, but completely different with how Frankenstein's monster was portrayed. Mm. Wow. Um, I don't really want to say anything because I don't want to spoil anything, but it, what you said about those movies made me think about it. So you might like it, but it's There's not the probably most been book. a series that's come out, but as I was watching the film, I started thinking, like, it would be interesting to just see a a movie or TV show come out where it just follows like Frankenstein after and just showing him being, trying to be a normal member of society. It probably could be a comedy even. Yeah. Like, VH, where VH, just VH like, ones, where are just they gotta, now? Yeah. Like how, I got to go get a fucking job. And so yeah. he's like, he's on, like maybe, I don't know, working <laughs> on the docks of like Philadelphia or something. And like <laughs> just him, just, just trying to make a living man. Just, and all sorts of hygiene. And Robbins hitting the register yeah. buttons or something. Maybe he joins a gang, like an urban gang one day. And <laughs> he becomes like a blood. And, uh, he's a university okay. professor or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's see what he's doing. Um <sighs> Speaking of university uh, professors, I also bought um, Ernest Goes to Camp. And um, this is one of hey, my all-time is that? Is that a bundle? favorite movies. It is a two-part bundle with Camp Nowhere. Those aren't okay. the same with, type of movies, but okay. <laughs> not at all. I don't know why. I don't know why these are two bundled together. Um, but I will say, though, that I was trying to find Ernest Goes to Camp on streaming. 
and it oh. is not available anywhere. All the other Ernest ones, Ernest Scared Stupid, Ernest Goes to Jail, Ernest Saves Christmas, mm-hmm. Ernest Goes to Your Mom's House. Like, they're all on streaming, um, except the first one. And so I went to eBay, and I could I found some for like 15 bucks on Blu-ray or DVD. And somehow, I guess there's this one, the only one that seems like it's new, like a newer release uh on amazon for about 11 dollars shipped which Hmm. is is not bad i don't know what the uh it says it's in 1080i um the video so i don't i don't know how well i know (laughs) i don't know how well the actual transfer and everything of this is so i definitely plan on watching it um i'm hoping i can convince the kids to watch it with me tonight after dinner Um, that's hit earnest is very hit or miss my dad fucking loves Ernest and would quote him left (laughs) and right Oh yeah, I, I like oh, them, yeah. but I probably I probably I still loathe the Ernest it. movies as a result of hating my dad's jokes. So I should probably give them another chance. I remember <laughs> Ernest uh, Scared Stupid is was a legit scary movie for children, though. Like I was Ernest Scared, scared Stupid one. is a fantastic one. Because um, who does the pro- the um, practical effects? And there's some some mm-hmm. well known person I forget. I unless can't remember, uh, but yeah, it's, it's uh, um, Savini or whatever. I forget. I don't know if it, Tom Savini did that. Um, it would I wouldn't be surprised, but yeah, a lot of the uh, like for the troll and stuff, yeah. like it was just he had scenes of like really up close shots, and he was just like like snot coming out of his nose, yeah. and it just looked so gross. I it's loved great. it. Um, it's great. And uh, so yeah, got Ernest. I'm I'm really excited about that. And then I also bought a four terabyte hard drive because I'm not helping Sketch. Like I said last mm. week sketches back on um the design and stuff which dude we're already getting um we already have some layouts and stuff coming out now so episode 10 is well or issue 10 i should say well underway uh on the production side of things so i'm excited but i'm helping sketch uh basically uh grab screens uh so uh we we basically will do a gameplay video this is the process how we kind of go through and grab screens we record a gameplay video um then basically put that into that file into a program that spits out like up to 500 or more screen grabs from that video it's a great program um but the output like the file afterwards the folder it creates is like six or seven gigs it's insane um and mine hard drive is really filling up quick uh so i have like my os on an ssd and then i have another like two terabyte hard drive where I had been putting all my programs, my games, and basically all my Megavisions files. So now this four terabyte one, I think, is just going to be for Megavisions. Like all everything that I'm doing on there, it's going to go Makes to that. Sense. So that's coming this week. I'm really, I'm. It's it's stupid how excited you get over like a new computer part. But yeah, um, oh yeah, it's a it's a thing, man. It's real. I'm gonna. I, I'm I'm afraid to say this, but I feel like. We are further along than we've ever been this early in an issue's lifespan. Ooh. If you, yes, if you count, if if you don't count the time from the last issue to this issue. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, like, I feel like now that the, 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 the writing is all done, the art is already getting thrown in, like, I feel like, I feel like every other it's issue has been like, okay, there's one more review we don't have. There's one more feature we don't have quite done yet. Like we still need to, I feel like it's all, I feel like, I guess I feel like all the ingredients, all the ingredients are to get coming together quicker than they have, if that makes sense in previous. Right. Issues. Yeah. It's it's definitely coming together. Um, I'll tell you what though. Like, I mean, this, the COVID stuff, it, it did hit us hard because 
yeah. uh, while we were able to ship everything out and it didn't really delay shipments um, at all for the last issue um, or for people buying uh, current issues. Um, it did hit us hard just in terms of the production and stuff because it just slowed everything down. Um, lots of just different um, issues for all around. And so, I mean, everyone's feeling that right now, but I'm just excited that we're now making progress and things are, are moving in the right direction for issue 10. So um, that's pretty much what I've been up to this week. Not a lot that's been awesome. exciting, but um, lots of good progress, I should say. So Lovely. Well, I'm Graham. happy for you. Graham, bam, thank you, ma'am. What have you been doing? Yo, uh, what's, what's been going on? So quick update. Um, so a few weeks ago, well, about over a month ago now, I bought a Surface Book 3. And I don't think I told you guys about this, but basically I was actually having problems with it. It started to overheat and the battery life on it was terrible. Like, um, well, when I say terrible, compared to some laptops, it was fine. It was, I was getting about five hours battery life on it, which for some laptops is actually kind of about average these days. Um, like it's about between four and six hours is average battery life for most laptops. So five hours, you think that's not that bad. Um, the Surface Book 3 has an estimated battery life of 17 and a half hours, though. So I was getting like 11 and a half hours less time. Well, no, more than that, like uh, 12 and a half hours left time using my Surface than was estimated. And I was doing my own little tests. Like, basically, I looked at Microsoft's little, they put like asterisks next to the 17.5 right, hours. Yeah. It sort of says, based on usage of a browser window with four to five tabs open, uh, putting on sleep mode occasionally and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I basically turned off Bluetooth. I turned the bright. I didn't turn the brightness completely down. I turned the brightness just below average. Um, yeah, I, I opened up uh, the Edge browser. So I was using Microsoft's own browser to yeah. make sure that, you know, just in case. Um, in fact, I use Edge most of the time anyway. I don't care. People hate me for it, but, you know, I like it. Um, I said everything <laughs> I can about you and your Windows. <laughs> um, so yeah, I had like, and I didn't watch, I didn't watch videos or anything like that. I was doing my own little basic tests and yeah, I was still getting like, I think about the most, I got like six hours out of it. And I um, basically called up Microsoft, I contacted them and basically said, this, this is something clearly wrong. And I actually had a video, a phone call with a guy who actually took control of my computer and he was checking all his stuff out. And he did this like, I don't know what he did. He, he went to some sort of control panel thing, which then brought up a, um, an analysis of the battery usage and battery life. And it shows them like X number, like it's like in the thousands, like it's like a hundred, say, say for example, that ba- uh, battery, battery uh, capacity at max is a hundred thousand, for example, mm-hmm. um, estimated what the battery max is for this was like 150,000. Like as in, I was saying t- it had too much power in the battery for what, what is meant to do. Or something, so if that makes sense. It basically, it was, the, bat- the battery the batteries was too were strong o- for it. The battery was overcharging whenever I charged you it. You overclocked your reckoned- surface. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> but yeah, he was like, "Uh, that's not normal." I was like, well, "I don't know. I've had it for like a few weeks. I, I don't know what's meant to be normal." Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, he, he did some tests and he got me to try some tests and like he sort of said, "Go over the weekend." And anyway, this was this was a few weeks ago. Eventually managed to get back. Into, uh, he actually called me up again, same guy, and basically to double check me. He's actually really good service for Microsoft. I didn't expect him to call me back, but he called me back, did some more tests and stuff, and then he's like, "Right, okay, we're gonna get this sent off." So basically, he arranged it that um, I could get it sent back. So I sent back my Surface. They then checked it, went, 
okay, it's clearly in good condition, but there's something wrong with it. So they've sent me back a new surface um, and I'm doing another test on it. And today, right now, as we speak, I've been using it for seven hours and the battery has gone down to 66%. So that's not too bad. That's pretty that's good. Like, I mean, that's about that's actually pretty what good. they said it should be if it keeps up like that. Is that, is that on track for what they, like the estimates on? Um, so I think that's right. Yeah, I think that's about right, actually. That's roughly about right. And I've actually got a few more tabs open now since we started doing the show, like a couple of hours ago. Like we're Are you recording ready. the all... show on that right now? No, I'm not. Okay, I've, I've just got it next to it. <laughs> <laughs> next to it. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, yeah, I'm doing my little test um, again. Right. Uh, so, yeah, that's why. So, because I got it the other day, like a couple of days ago, set it up, and I was, well, I'm just going to give it another quick test. So, that's one thing. So, I'll give you, if it goes wrong. Do you think they literally put the wrong battery in there? I have no idea. It, but I it, mean, it, it sounds as basic as that. It's like they souped up your thing too much or something. Maybe. Um, and it was getting, uh, occasionally it was getting really hot, like mm -hmm. super hot. And like the fan, the fan in the screen was going off, which you don't really hear it that often unless you're running something really heavy processing, yeah. like a really powerful game or something. And I was just using like edge and stuff like i love the yeah, idea of them with... accidentally putting in the wrong battery it's like hey frank <laughs> where'd you put the battery it's like i don't know it's over there he just I grabs know, I grab... whatever i grabbed it from Throw tim them. the two-man taylor's closet he seems to have the good stuff <laughs> he throws like a few like i don't know like oh it's an it's an old engage battery throw it in there <laughs> oh wow yeah it's uh but yeah uh so far this one's i'm so happy someone else is well. part of mega visions again that has insane tech issues that make no sense and are like the point yeah. one percentage i'll tell you oh, this yeah. ram has <laughs> never bought a laptop or any sort of tablet that has actually worked the first time yeah, every yeah. single yeah, yeah. one and he continues to buy microsoft products and these are all been like microsoft and the... everyone he buys it always has a problem with it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Hold the phone there, sir. They're not technically all Microsoft products. Like, all my laptops before have not been made by Microsoft. Okay. Will so, you admit that all of your laptops and uh, tablets that you've bought have always malfunctioned in some way? No, because a couple of them haven't, actually. So Out of how ah, many do you think? So, I, well, hold on a second. My Windows <laughs> phones never malfunctioned, not once. Okay. So I was happy with those. Um, whereas my iPhone did. Um, the one of my, uh, my uh, I've got a smaller laptop, a 13-inch laptop, which I've had for eight years now, and that hasn't malfunctioned at all once. Is but that the one I, that didn't work at first until you got a replacement, though? No, that was, that was, an, that was an Acer 17-inch one, which I got replaced twice. And then the Acer's battery, then, then it, it just kept dying. <laughs> like, just kept dying. And I was just like, this is screw, so screw it. So that's why I got the smaller 13 inch one. And then eventually I was like, there must be some dumb reason why this isn't working. I took it to a repair shop and they basically went, oh yeah, Ace is fine, except the hard drives they put in are so bad, they wear out within a few months. Interesting. So he replaced the hard drive and it was like a brand new machine. Like it was super fast, amazing. I have had that. I had that for a good like nine years or something, and eventually, that's actually what the surface is replacing. So I use that for my video editing, gaming, and stuff on, on that for years. Um, and yeah, so uh, I get, I've actually just given that to a friend because it's not really worth any money now. And the Surface Book is what's replaced that for any off. Because I've got my desktop computer for most of my stuff, but sometimes I like to sit on the sofa or whatever. So I've got uh, 
I do miss having a laptop. Uh, a more portable one. Yeah, exactly. So, and Chris, the companies where I've worked at who have had to use Macs, they've all gone wrong. So I, that's why I don't like Macs that much. <laughs> like, they actually do go wrong. That's a <laughs> like, different, oh my yeah. God. It's the MacBook Pro I had was like, like, I had a oh. MacBook Pro to at one of my companies and it was like, it, the battery lasted two hours. It overheated all the time. It was just like, I actually took it back to the IT guy. I think something's wrong with this. He's like, yeah, they just do that. Was that, was, that was a 2019, no, 2018 model MacBook because I was at the company in 2018. He's like, yeah, they've all done that. I think it's just a thing. And I was like, that's not That'd good. Be <laughs> yeah, like, it's yeah, yeah. They get really hot really quickly. I mean, oh, dear. There's, there's no reason to even have the Mac versus Windows argument anymore because so many things cross over anymore. Um, mm. But the one thing with Macs is they are physically, they're built like tanks. But yeah, you don't buy the first line yeah. of any new Mac thing. It's just, just don't do yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm not completely against Macs. I think Macs are beautiful. I've used them. They do work. When they work, they work brilliantly. Uh, but personally, I've always found my, with Windows, I'm just a little bit faster. And I feel like they just have just as many problems, so I'm just like, I'm that's to pay a little I'm, bit less. Yeah, get, that's what I mean. Yeah, they slow, they like they slow down and just work like Windows do and stuff. I don't know. Anyway, that's 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 not all this that's is about. A whole other podcast, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, that's, that's the next show. We will talk about that next show. Um, so yeah, um, and let's uh, go through your zooms. How are your zooms doing, Graham? Oh, <laughs> oh, God. I wish I had, I had a Halo zoom. zoom. That was awesome zoom. back in the day. Uh, I've joking. always wanted a zoom. <laughs> Anyway, what was I going to say? Uh, yeah, Chris, I need to ask you a question, actually, before I talk about my next thing. Uh-oh. Have you played Control yet? No. Oh, I could tell so I've now finished the main story missions for Control. Oh, so I finished the main storyline. And th- so I bought it a couple of days after you'd bought it, I think. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like when we talked about the, the podcast a few weeks ago, and it's been a game that I've just had in my Xbox and just playing Every second I've got a chance, I've been playing it for like a few hours at a time. I love that game. And there's one thing. So it's not like the greatest game ever made, um, you know, and gameplay wise, it's completely, it's very solid. Uh, I have no issues with the game at all. Um, but one thing I will say about Remedy is they really know how to make some really memorable moments in games. Um, cool. So one of, the, one of the reasons I love Alan Wake is yeah. um, I, like, I like the storyline of Alan Wake. I, like, I personally like the gameplay and everything. But they had some really cool epic moments in it, which I just haven't really experienced in any other game. Um, and Control doesn't do it as much as Alan Wake does, but it does do it. And there's one bit towards the end of the main story missions, um, which was just, I I just enjoyed it so much. And Kate was sitting next to me watching me going, she was like, going, this is really fun. And I was like, I won't say, I won't say anything, okay. but at the, end of, at the end of that bit, I was like, that was awesome. And then the girl, the character in the game goes, that was fucking awesome. Like so the character <laughs> came up, she said that. And I was like, oh my god, it's so good. <laughs> like the the whole bit, like and some really good music playing, and I yeah. Um and this isn't a spoiler for that bit, but the whole game has elements of like in, you know, inception where the mm-hmm. walls will move around and things will curve like the corridors that will twist around and it's like really trippy at times. And that section had loads of those sort of inception moments in it and stuff. So while the music was playing and all this action was happening, I was like, this is so much fun. Um, and there's a couple of other moments in the game where it does have some really cool, epic, sort of really fun moments. Not as much, as I say, not as much as Alan Wake. I think Alan Wake I prefer, um, although this is a really good game. And um, I, I've, I've downloaded the um, 
expansion pack. So the Ore, which is a crossover with Alan Wake expansion pack and the other one. Uh, it's basically what the season pass. So I've got to do those missions. And once you actually finish the main story, there's other missions to do as well to sort of for the game itself. But they, um, yeah, so I'm excited to play through the rest of it, really. It's very good fun. Yeah. That's ah, so yeah, anyway. Anyway, uh, that's basically it for me, I think, this week. Um, I won't talk about my washing machine problems because that's going to be a bit boring uh, for this show. But maybe I'll have another side podcast. Because I could relate to what just happened to mine yesterday. So, Yeah, well, unless you really want to, Scotty, do you want to talk about that? No, no. Okay, good. (laughs) Homeownership, the podcast. (laughs) So that ends our intros, I guess. Yeah, excellent. Have we got any feedback from last week? Uh, we don't, but I think that might be because the, I, I'm sorry, everybody, but we, so normally record on a Sunday morning for myself, my time zone and Chris's time zone. We recorded on a Wednesday night instead. And I learned this week, I have no time on the weekends to edit stuff. So there's no audio version out yet. Even at this time of recording, the video version's out because Graham is a workhorse and got that done. Um, so that's probably why we don't have any feedback is because there's half of the output of the last episode. So but we always appreciate your feedback anyway, folks. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for listening and giving feedback when you do. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, oh, actually, one last thing. I Just like you, I also have a drink to share with everybody oh, based okay. on last week. So you found orange vanilla see, cola. Just oh, off my... no. What the fuck are you doing yeah. there with a shuriken? <laughs> what was that thing? <laughs> it's, it's actually a coaster, which is also a fridge magnet. But it's also a bottle opener. Yeah. It it's got my name on it. Shuriken. Yeah. <laughs> And you can also use it like a little ninja 100%. star. hundred percent. What's that horror movie that has the the spheres that come at you with two little spiky things? It looks like it belongs in that. Phantasm. Yeah. It, you you. So you got a bottle opener out of Phantasm. It looks like. Looks like a geeks episode zero. Okay. We we did Phantasm. Not only is that huge, but your uh, bottle is huge. This is I don't know what you guys are doing over there. So this this is from the cider place I mentioned last week. Because oh, at the end okay. of the show, you mentioned about it being a hard cider, and then we got into the conversation. In the UK, cider is just hard cider. It's all alcoholic. If you have a non-alcoholic cider, it's basically apple juice. Um, but you in America, I know you guys call cider like non-alcoholic cider. Apple like we're coming up <laughs> on the season for cider with autumn and fall because mm. uh, everybody's, I guess, making apples into drinks now. But cider is different than apple juice, and yeah, we're not drunk okay. like you guys. Fair enough. So. Well, we we really have non-alcoholic cider i guess i guess actually i think you can get no actually can get non-alcoholic beer i think you can get non-alcoholic cider but it's not it's gonna be a bit different to what you guys yeah have. if you're a loser yeah, this is from the local brewery we're camping next to uh the seven cider so it's next to the river seven and it's a lovelier fresh fruity cider next Ooh. to the grown next to the river seven. Oh yeah literally it's rich like the it's a th- stone throw drink. away from the river. drink to drink of the week <laughs> i have a new mic everyone so that was me uh oscillating Ooh, yeah that's not the word sounds good i love it now moving on to scotty mo the yeah. mail sack of wonder of wonder let's whip oh my god what the hell was that sound i can't sack of wonder one wrong zipper all right so let's break it out and see what we've got in this week's sack. <laughs> anyway, um, I, w- I want you to like sing the Mel Sack, the whole thing, as 
in like music form it's one of these the days. It's the mail sack. We got <laughs> the mail sack. Beautiful mail sack. Oh nope, that's wrong. That's very wrong. Uh, we'll be back later with that. <laughs> Still working on that. Still Let me workshop oh, yeah. that. Yeah. Um, yep. So anyway, Sarenex, aka Caesar, in the Discord said, "Excited about any Gamescom announcements at all?" Sticks his tongue out. Um, so Gamescom happened. Uh, things are still oh. happening. And I... My internet will load the list, please. Thank you. God. Oh, God. I made a mistake opening YouTube. What did you do? Okay. Can you guys still hear me? Fool. Yes. Can I? So, myself, um, not much looked too awesome and struck any chords. Doom Eternal, the DLC... Nah, I'm done with the game. Super done oh, with really? that game because Corey explained it best. It's very much like Dark Souls in that it starts hard and just gets harder. I do not play those oh, wow. games. I do not want that type of challenge in games. I want an escape. I don't want aggravation to the nth degree. So um, for those that know uh, who have played Doom Eternal and know... Oh, crap. Have either of you guys played that? I forget the... I played freaking... Doom Eternal. What's what's the name of the guy that you can only block and then attack him when he's stunned for I a second? Um, I can't remember now, and it's lost. But basically, the DLC adds two of those coming at you at once. I can't fucking remember. I'm trying to look in something real quick to find out, but it's not coming up fast enough. Uh, Marauder, that's it. So the Marauder that you fight throughout Doom Eternal, he's like the enemy that you're just like, oh, fuck, we got this guy again. Um, the end of the DLC trailer shows two of them, and I'm just like, nah, I'm good. I'll watch somebody do that, because it's fucking insane, but uh, otherwise, Little Nightmares 2 looks really cool. Um, there's a ton of Ratchet & Clank gameplay for Rift Apart that looks pretty neat. Um, there's really not much else that caught my eye, because it's a lot of new-gen stuff it's neat that a new Age of Empire, Age of Empires, Age of Empires is coming out. Uh, but we'll just go around the table here. Chris, what did you see? Uh, I think the one that stuck out to me was uh, Turrican Anthology Volumes One and Two were announced for oh. the Switch and PS4. I think I missed that um, somehow. Yeah, so Strictly Limited uh, has teamed up with Factor Five, and so they're doing Volume mm. One and Two. Uh, this was basically like opening night of Gamescom. They announced this. Mm. Uh, I think it's like the 27th. So basically, I think it was around the time we started talking about Turk and um, uh, it was when this was announced. Right. So the first volume is going to have Turk in one, two, Super Turk in, Super Turk in Director's Cut and uh, Mega Turk in Score Attack. Uh, the second volume is going to have Turk in three, Mega Turk in, Mega Turk in Director's Cut, Super Turk in two and Super Current Turk in one Score Attack. Um, and they'll also have a uh, some soundtracks included with them. So there is a collector's edition and ultra collector's edition um, that's probably going to cost a shit ton of money. But yeah, you can. They're up for pre-order now. Um, let me just go there and see what the price. Turkin, for those are. that don't know, that's a game that if you know it, you're fucking ready. If you don't, you're like, what's the big deal? Um, so the ultra collector's played... edition sold out for the PS4. Wow. Nice. I was going to say, if anyone has ever played Gunlord that recently is a game, an indie game that came out on Dreamcast and Steam recently, mm -hmm. very cool game. That's strongly Turrican um, mm -hmm. inspired. 
Yeah, I guess you can still get the Switch Ultimate Ultra Collector's Edition. It's a hundred. It's based two hundred euros, and uh, the regular collector's edition is a hundred euros for both systems. Or you could just get the uh, the actual physical version for thirty five euros each. So one and two. So it'd be seventy euros in total to get Oof. both. Yeah, you I probably mean, should just go ahead and get the collector's edition because you get both volumes in it and like this really big cool box set you got a link to and that you're spending... looking at let me see it uh yeah show me sure. the goods let me shoot sure i got you here we go uh, oh, um, it's, it's on the strictly limited, limited yep. uh website right on and you can get them all there um i mm. might actually have to get these <laughs> these oh, look pretty cool get the vinyl soundtrack oh Jeez, my god man. um yeah, there's a lot going on here. I'm not going to be one of those crazy people that get a, an ultra collector's edition just because I don't have anywhere to put it. Um, but I would like these physical, like yeah, the hundred dollar like or hundred and two. Uh, the hundred um, euro one isn't so bad, but I mean, honestly, um, yeah, no, I mean, Turkin's a game. It's not too much a rip a rip off if you get one and two separately. Honestly, I want to see what comes with the um so if you spend an extra $25 to get the um collector's edition they are limited to 3500 copies and they're individually numbered um let's see what it all comes with you do get um you get a it looks like a turkin 30th anniversary pin you get some cards a signed postcard you get the soundtrack a sticker uh, sheet art yeah. book that is some reversible than posters um, and there's a documentary in there too. It looks like, so I would say there's all that more, extra yeah. stuff is probably worth, yeah, an extra twenty five bucks or so, um, or thirty dollars, uh, thirty euro, I should say. Um, but you mentioned the box art. There's one that looks like a Genesis box and also Mega Drive box, and there's another one that looks like Super Nintendo uh, box art type stuff. So pretty badass. Cool. Um, I mean, they're going all out, and they should be. This is a um, Tom I, Dubois. I'd, I'd say Turrican's a decently influential game, right? I would say so. Um, I, I will say, uh, I've never actually, um, I've never played. played the games a whole lot. I'm not too familiar with them. Yeah, but um, hey, hey, I folks, know that they are well respected. This is a rare time. The PS4 version and the Switch version are the same price. No Switch tax this time. So Whoa. hop on those. Hmm. Awesome. That's awesome. And the um Tom Dubois is doing the art uh for those uh for the Genesis and Mega Drive um art boxes, I guess. Uh and he's done like a ton of stuff, like a ton of Disney style paintings and stuff. So it looks like this the art is gonna be amazing. Um uh, cool. is what I'm trying to say for this. So I'm talking myself into getting this because <laughs> it looks awesome. Um so I would say uh, Turrican for my Gamescom uh, announcements. That was pretty awesome. I'm surprised cool. you didn't Graham. have anything to say about Star Wars, unless Graham does. Do I? That is actually one of the things I was going to say. Nice. Uh, Star Wars Squadrons, uh, that is a game that has really piqued my interest because um, it's. I love sort of space combat shooting games like like that. Um, like like uh, the original sort of Rogue Squadron games on the N64 and stuff 
I love those sort of games and uh, like Rogue Leader and stuff on the GameCube. And I, but I'm very picky with them because there's a lot out there that I just don't enjoy that much. Like the Elite games, I love the idea of the Elite games, but this like Elite Dangerous, one of the more recent ones, which is on the Xbox One and stuff. That game is just so it's so it's almost too realistic. It's really hard mm. to actually do stuff in it, and it's um it's very. I think it's better on the to be better on the PC, but I had it on the Xbox One. And I just found it very difficult to play. Um, I like this sort of arcadey style. Just jump in, you can fly around shooting stuff. I I really get into that. So it, it, there doesn't seem to be that many out there lately, especially. And so this excites me. My only slight hesitation is that it's made by EA rather than Factor Five, who used to make the old Star Wars mm. or Rogue Squadron games. Right. Uh, I mean, EA did quite well with uh, Jedi Order. Um, was it Jedi Fallen Order or just Jedi Order? I can't actually remember what it's called now. Uh, uh, it's, I don't. Mm, uh, it's just okay. My case is on the shelf. Familiar. Yeah, I think it's actually called Star Wars Jedi: Colon Fallen Order. That's the one. Yeah, that was that was a good game. I actually think I prefer the Jedi Knight games to it and stuff. But um, and I really enjoyed the the Unleashed game. But I think EA did a respectable job with that and stuff. Um, so uh, the, the the squadrons looks really good. So I'm actually very interested to play this that's something that's really exciting to me also another one that i'm interested in is haven um which is it's been it's been revealed it's a launch title for the xbox series x uh, but it's also coming on pc switch ps5 uh and ps4 and xbox one so basically everything um but that's a co-op rpg sort of adventure game and that's actually really interesting for me so yeah those are my two those are my two big picks that really jumped out at me when i was watching it other stuff i'm interested in but you know those were two that i was like yeah wasn't there like a game called haven on like xbox back in the day ps2 it was on ps2 i own it chris you were the one who told me to buy it and it starts off amazingly like brilliant like it's actually like a really good intro like bits of the game and stuff and and then suddenly just goes right downhill and then after i told you that (laughs) i was like it's starting to get a bit boring now like Oh yeah, all the reviews did say that. I was like, God damn it, this like <laughs> <laughs> Haven Call of the King. It was uh, a Traveler's Tales game. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's a pretty good game though. That that old gate, that old Haven game. If anyone it's, can't it, remember, but it's familiar, it had that redhead guy with like cornrows on mm. the box art, or he, I think he was yeah. kind of the star of the game. It had some really good ideas in it, but uh, I never finished it in the end because I think I got to a point where I was just kind of like a bit bored and a bit stuck. So um, I remember the opening being really good. Anyway. Did you guys watch the... Okay. This is where we are in games right now. So there was one ad for a game where this nerdy-looking dude's got a backpack, and he's clearly in a zombie apocalypse, and he, like, makes it into this, like, old factory, closes the door, finds a finds a generator, you know, pulls the ripcord for it, starts it up, plugs his laptop in, sits down with his laptop, puts his gaming headset on, and he's playing fucking Bridge Constructor. And then zombies, <laughs> zombies start. Well, you actually you don't see what he's playing yet. And then zombies start coming in and whatever and blah blah blah. And they kill him and you know, his laptop falls over and it's bridge constructor and it's bridge constructor, the Walking Dead. So everything <laughs> is everything now, guys. There's no oh wow. Like bridge constructor is a cool series. It is very much that making bridges to get from point A to point B. But it's like it's just it that was just like the picture perfect. Yeah, this is where video games are. Anything can be a zombie apocalypse. Oh, Anything God. is Portal 2. Anything is Fortnite. Like, <laughs> it was, I don't know. That just got me, that that turned my gears in a certain way, I guess. Wow. It made That's me amazing. laugh and also cry. <laughs> so, yeah, Gamescom. 
Awesome. I do want to play cool. Ratchet yeah. and Clank. The more I see of it, I want to play Ratchet and Clank for sure. You will soon, my friend. You will soon. I think they've also announced some new stuff for the new Crash. Was it Crash 4? I'm really oh, looking yeah. forward to there that. That's going to be in there. super good. I, I, I cannot find... I can't... This is like the pros and cons of conventions happening during COVID. Pros is we can all go somewhere and watch something at the same time. Cons... Every fucking site, like Jeff Keighley's got his Summerfest. Everybody has their own thing, and it's so hard to find just a solid list of what happened or where to watch it and get all the information because everybody's like, like for some reason, Jeff Keighley had Doc Brown in the middle of his introducing Surgeon Simulator Two and other stuff, and it's just like I just want to, I don't know what's going well, on. Alf telling me as like a like a roving reporter or whatever. Yeah, in the last Alf one. created Hatsune Miku. It's all good now. Thank you, Jeff mm-hmm. Keighley. Oh yeah. Sorry, you know, you were just talking about Bridge Constructor Walking Dead crossover. I've actually yeah. seen something from Gamescom, which I didn't see before. Sims 4 oh. has got a Star Wars expansion pack. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't know what you're actually Amazing. doing in that, though. It almost made it look oh, like an adventure game rather than a Sims game. So I'm not really sure what happens. Yeah. There's not much information on the side. I'm just it's a quick little screenshot and a little bit of info. But yeah, I just noticed I didn't see that before. I'm like, oh my god! I just it's more Star Wars, are. Star Wars fan fictions coming true, so it's fine. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, if you so, want that? Uh, Wookie, what, what, you can what, get it now. Sorry. What other questions have we got in the elder? Oh yeah, there's other people. Other people were here. Uh, Ichabod <laughs> said, "What do you make of the recent Shenmue rumors? Something seems to be happening. Even Sega Forever." got in on it and uh he shared some tweets here uh i'm not i'm i you know it's twitter so take it as you will um aesthetic gamer one tweeted was told i can tease this anyone who cares about shenmue and its story there's a fun kind of unexpected announcement coming within the next few weeks it's not steam release or shenmue 3 coming to another platform it's something new Ooh. and then coming out. what's that shenmue online's finally coming out yes there it is uh and sega forever <laughs> Uh, I wouldn't take anything behind this other than just having fun and throwing a survey up. Sega Forever said, excuse me, hashtag Sega Forever, and they had the four survey, uh, four multiple choice options of, I see, do you know about Do? I'm looking for sailors, maybe I'll get another. <laughs> that so. came out right as Graham and I were, pl- were doing our stream on Friday. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so we were actually discussing that a little bit in, in our stream of, just of the Sega Forever post. Yeah. Um, okay. And just asking which one I I picked. What? Oh, I I, I picked the sailors. That was yeah. So did I. Yeah. I'm trying. I'm trying to line. find it I right think it now. Won. Yeah. I'm looking at. Okay. Here's here's the results of this very important uh, survey. Um, I see has 29.2 percent. Do you know about Wu Do? 12.5 percent. I'm looking for sailors. 42.3 percent. And maybe I'll get another 16 <laughs> percent. Nice. All is right uh, in the world. Yep. We're good. Um, um, I don't know about now whether what to make of the actual, you know, uh, this aesthetic gamer. Uh, mm. I've never heard of this person before, so I don't, I don't know who's telling him he can tease this. Um, I would maybe just could there be some sort of like Shinmu collaboration with another game where you could see Shinmu characters or outfits or something is that even a thing would that it be would be really cool if they put ryu in a fighting the... game i think i could because they got virtual fighter characters jumping <laughs> but the thing places. that interests me about his tweet sorry graham lag 
Yeah, they do. I, sorry. Um, I was just saying, the thing that interests me about his tweet is it says people interested in or cares about Shemu and its story. Yeah. So I'm wondering if it's like some sort of comic book or a novel, yeah. novelization or something that could... Something something to continue the storyline, like not other than a game, maybe. Um, An anime would be fucking awesome. Oh, that would be I really said good. Forever or live ago, action. Yeah, I said forever to go uh, to... Um fans of Shenmue in a discussion I was like just finish it in an anime just finish it in an anime mm. this was before Scotty Moe had played Shenmue 1 and 2 so I definitely disagree <laughs> with myself and think it should be a game but you could <laughs> man if they made Shenmue an anime it would have to make fun of itself like almost one punch man style of anytime something crazy is happening and then you pan over to to Rio he's like hmm okay and then it comes back to the action or something. I want to see, I want this more than anything because Chris and Marcin and I, or maybe you were on that episode of the Sideshow, Graham, where we were talking yeah. about uh, Ryo taking a bus to the part in Shenmue 2 that is only like 15 minutes away, but he like can't figure out how to get there. And then finally he rides the bus like an insane person holding on to nothing, just standing in the middle of it, looking dead ahead. Yeah. <laughs> like I want He's to see standing that. in the middle of the aisle in the bus. And like, there's only just one uh, other person on the bus. I think I just, I, I, want, I want that animation of him. And then the bus gets there and it stops suddenly. And since he's not holding on to anything, he just it propels through the windshield <laughs> and just stands up and walks forward. Like nothing happened. <laughs> I want to see that, that would be funny that. if it just showed like how much absurdity happened in the Shinmu series of just redoing weird stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't know how we haven't gotten that yet. Some sort of animation of that. That's you think so a good. fan thing would come? Um, uh, I think you made a good point, though, Graham. I think you did. It is. It, I, I think it's something along those lines where maybe it's going to be like a Kickstarter comic or something, or maybe I. I don't know if we could realistically get an anime from this, but maybe like a comic book would be or manga would be pretty cool. The thing is, too, like. Sega has had nothing to do with Shenmue for a long time, so they mm -hmm. probably don't know anything going on with this now either. So, yeah, I doubt like Sega Forever and and um those guys are actually there's any sort of communication, strategic communication plan or something like that. Like a uh, they have some sort of thing where like, oh yeah, we're gonna start just teasing Shenmue stuff from official Sega accounts. I I don't. I don't think there's. I think it's just a mere coincidence. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. So. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm uh, excited. It's exciting. <laughs> yeah. It could be cool. It. They've already put out all the DLC for it or whatever. For three. I didn't play any of the DLC. But but that exists, right? That's already out there. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the the three is essentially done, from what we understand. Um. Okay, and then uh, we have one more question on Twitter from at Alternative Sega. Um, Sega Ages is ending, but Sega said they still want to bring old games to the Switch. They could port those Xbox Live versions of Knights, Guardian Heroes, Daytona, Jet Set Radio over, so what do you think they're going to do? Um, to answer this, we kind of already answered this in the last episode. Um, so again, mm -hmm. apologies that the audio is not out at the time of this recording, so go check out the last episode, I guess. Yeah. Um, we didn't mention we didn't really mention so much about them bringing over the Xbox Live games, but um, right. I think it'd be cool if they did that. Like, like Guardian Heroes, Guardian Heroes would be perfect on the Switch. I think that's that's such a fun like multiplayer yeah. co-op game. Um, Knights would be also 
yeah knights come on yeah i'd love to have a portable version of knights in my pocket yeah. so yeah uh that would be awesome too if one of like the different controller companies out there decided to make a 3d controller for the mm. switch that would be pretty nice cool. controller that would be a so nice controller there the switch rumors would... that um 8-bit or whoever made the wireless saturn ones is working on a 3d controller wireless one mm. i'm not sure how true that is though that would be so good because yeah, that is yeah. i still think that's the most comfortable controller i've ever held in my life that's my favorite just... controller no exaggeration i use it on yeah. every saturn game that it works with whether it uses i also love that thing or not <laughs> I would I play that for like World Series soccer or what was it called? Like, was it World Series or World Worldwide There's Soccer? World Series baseball, ninety-seven or ninety-eight. Oh yeah, um, I think I got that one. Which is still one of my favorite soccer games. The Worldwide Soccer games on the Saturn were fantastic, <laughs> but they played really well with the uh, with the three D uh, Knights Saturn stick. Can you um, use this? You could use the stick on those. I'm pretty sure you could. Okay. I, I seem to remember. Because like doing I, that, I use, I play that, or I use that controller with games that don't even use the 3D stick, just because it's more uh-huh. comfortable. Maybe for whatever. There but... we are. There you Seven go. Worldwide. <laughs> okay. It's um, 97. I even, I will go yeah. as far as to say that the Dreamcast controller is a downgrade from the Saturn 3D controller. <laughs> Especially. Yeah, the I could possibly agree with that. Yeah, um, the D-pad definitely, and even the analog stick. I think the the thumb analog thing for this the Knights controller was so good, so comfortable. Yeah, um, I do still like the Dreamcast one. I think Dreamcast one's great for racing games, but yeah, I, just I think like the Saturn one's better because the they're bigger. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a great controller. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's our answer. <laughs> we <laughs> just want go. more three yep. D controller stuff support. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, dear. Uh, I think that's going to just about... Let me see here. Okay. That, should we zip up that mail sack? Yes. Let me zip it up, and we're going to close it out. God damn it. Let me try one more time, folks, with these closing notes. God damn it. We'll do this. <laughs> I think it's too close to the mic now. Maybe. Uh, anyway, that was magical, and that's the end of the mail sack. Oh, awesome excellent and that that Sorry. kind of brings us on to our news segment but we're actually changing things up a little bit now we we've decided that we're not really going to do the new segments in the full show anymore because honestly i by the time we've edited the video and the audio version of the podcast our news is kind of late already and it's kind of we're looking at actually different ways of bringing you more relevant news more frequently and more promptly as well so that's something we've got in in the pipeline that we're looking at doing maybe in the next couple of weeks hopefully we'll start to actually have that for you so we will still be producing news but for the moment we're not going to do it as part of the the main full megavision show however that said we do feel it would be would be remiss for not mentioning the sad passing of uh, chadwick boseman uh this week so he passed away it's actually a couple of days ago now on the 28th of august at the age of 43 um he was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer uh a few years ago back in 2016 so four years ago roughly um so um sadly he's been yeah it's, it, i think it was kept quiet because I, I i everyone i've spoken to didn't even know anything about this at all i don't know if you guys heard anything about him having cancer no, um but not at all yeah evidently he was filming the uh if, for anyone who doesn't know actually uh chadwick boseman played black panther in the Marvel movies. So in Black Panther and uh, the Avengers movies, 
and also Captain America Civil War he was in as well. Um, he's been in other movies as well, um, but I think that's what he's most famous for, really. Uh, but yes, yeah, just sad to think he was filming all those movies with cancer and like, no one really knew about it. Um, he kept it very private, from my understanding. But it's just, I think it's a sad, sad loss. So as I said, I think we'd be remiss not to even mention that this week. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know if you guys have any thoughts to add or anything, but uh, I'm pretty um, gutted by it. My quick it. thoughts are he did a lot for African-Americans in cinema and, and definitely check out his library. Um, Anti Chris's son, uh, he has a little boy. And on Facebook, he posted all his Marvel action figures Ha- uh, having a funeral for Black Panther. Black Aww, Panther was laying in the middle of him and he oh, had all his action figures around them. I actually started to cry. <laughs> oh, wow. That's pretty cool. But you don't think about that. Like, like we're adults, but we like comic book movies. Like, you don't think about the kids because I can't think yeah. of a time growing up, I mean, that a movie star passed away that was in any big movies that I was into like that. So you don't even think about a other another generation that's somehow dealing with this kind of stuff. I remember the yeah. first time Odin had to uh, like <clears throat> experience something like that. He was he was still very young, and I don't think he really understood everything. But it was he was probably maybe three or four years old, and he had started really getting into pro wrestling with me because we started we got the WWE Network, and I was showing him all the old wrestlers and stuff, and he got really into the Ultimate Warrior. Uh, and he was like one of my favorite wrestlers growing up. So that made me super excited. So we were just watching old Royal Rumbles and WrestleManias, anything that had the Ultimate Warrior in it. And he was all in, like he loved the Ultimate Warrior. And it was just this weird circumstance or coincidence that right around that same time, the Ultimate Warrior came back into WWE Hmm. and he, because he basically burned a ton of bridges back in the day. Um, and no one really wanted to work with him anymore. He just did some, he made some really bad business decisions and, and stuff. And he was just a headache. No one really wanted him around. Um, but he kind of mended the, a lot of the relationships, especially with Vince McMahon, like right towards the end, um, around this time. And he finally came back on raw, uh, WWE raw for a, a whole bit. And it was amazing. Like his, his speech was just very inspiring and everything. And, um, whatever you feel about you know him as a person and his actions and stuff you know um i think his place in the pantheon of pro wrestling history is is firmly i think um cemented uh but it was just crazy because the day after that appearance on raw he passed away he had a massive heart attack and, and passed away and like having to tell odin that you know and just say like hey little buddy he's not here anymore and it was just weird, um, and it was a huge bummer. So I can I can relate to kind of what um, you know Anti Chris is uh, and is going through with his son and that sort of thing. Um, I would I would just kind of echo what you were saying earlier, Scotty. That um, it was amazing to see how much he meant to the African American community, though, um, as a whole. Like this was bigger than just a Marvel movie. Mm, yeah, um, it was is much bigger. It it, it had such. A, a huge cultural um, impact, I think, in the African-American community. And to see that was amazing. To see how much um, impact his character and his him as a person had, um, I think is awesome. And I just, I think that it's going to continue. This isn't the end of that character. Um, and I, I hope that they find someone who can take up that mantle. I don't know how they're going to do it within the Marvel Universe, but I I definitely think you got to continue that that character because 
the character yeah. that Chadwick Boseman helped bring to life, I think it would be very sad to see it go away with his passing. I think he would not want that. I think he would probably want it to continue and continue being yeah. such a positive figure um, amongst uh, the community there. So I, I hope that Disney continues, um, you know, down this path. Absolutely. I, 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 it'd be, a, it'd be a complete shame if they stopped. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. The Black Panther franchise. And I think, there is there are ways that they could actually introduce it into into the franchise as it were they could actually have a new person taking up the black panther mantle because that's part of the i guess the law around the black panther there over well, the he generations took up his father's like exactly you know, his father was the black you know so yeah i mean i i was sort of, i think i said on our chat the other day it could be his sister takes it up or something um that's what a lot I, of people i don't know if that's yeah. She was one of my favorite characters. Yeah, she's, <laughs> she's a great, great character for one thing. Yeah, and I think that would just be a character that wasn't him in those in that movie. <laughs> yeah. And I think that would, uh, that would be great if they were able to do something like that. But um yeah, it's oh. just it's just a sad bit of news this week for that. Really. I, according to Wikipedia, Grain of Salt, um Black Panther two was in development and slated to release uh in twenty twenty two, May of twenty twenty two, but that's Wikipedia. Who knows how often that's right. updated? And, and that could be pre-production work, you know, like they're, they may not even yeah. began actual like real, right. uh, like filming yet, you know, like principal start. Yeah. I guess so. it depends how far they were into it really. Yeah. Um, so. but I guess we'll watch the space, I guess, really. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Brilliant. So with that, um, we'll put that to bed for now. Um, but we'll have a quick break and we'll be right back. Cheers. What's up, guys? We are on Twitch three days a week, sometimes more, sometimes less. What is the internet? But if you go to twitch.tv backslash megavisions, Monday, Monday, Wednesdays, Thursdays, uh, you will see us playing everything from Fantasy Star Online 2 to Anarchy Reigns on our Thursday night throwdowns, which we do also invite the community into. uh, And we have coming up on there to be hosted on Twitch is the 24-hour Dreamless Dreamcast Marathon on September 12th. Mark your calendars, but otherwise, check us out any day throughout the week. Keep an eye on twitch.tv backslash megavisions. And welcome back. We're now moving on to our segment, which is the Picks of the Week, where we talk about any movies, TV shows, games that we've been playing or watching. And to let you guys and girls, the audience, um, know what we're doing. So you may be interested as well to watch or play such games that we talk about or movies. So without further ado, Tris, what has been ticking your taste buds this week? I know you I knew you were going to pick me first. Um <clears throat> I haven't played a lot of this game. I just started it, but I'm really excited about it. Um, partly because um, Caitlin, my oldest daughter, is the one who told me about it. Um, but it's Ooh. this new release on the Nintendo Switch called Moon. Have you guys ever heard of this game before? No, I saw not Moon until I, I read the outline. Yeah, I thought you were talking about the uh, movie starring. Oh, shit, God, I'm so bad with names today. Um, I, I know, know exactly you're talking, talking, talking about... about them. Have you guys uh, seen it? I, I... I can picture him. I can't remember what he's called. Yes, he it's was, a fantastic movie. He was the bad guy in Iron Man 2? Th- 2. Yeah, two. Sam Rockwell. That's yeah, it. Sam Rockwell. Great movie. Yeah. 
that is a fantastic movie. I love Sam Rockwell. But no, I am talking about uh, Moon. Uh, this is a video game. It was originally, it was never before released in the United States. So this is the very first time. Uh, it was released originally 1997 on the PlayStation. And Ooh. it's kind of known. And even I think the, the uh, Kenichi Nishi is the um, basically the original director, designer of the game. But he called it like an anti-RPG, um, where there's really like no combat in the game. Uh, it looks fantastic. It's like a 2D style of game, um, but just the the sprites and the art are are really, really well done. It's a trip, man. Like this, it's very self-aware. It pokes fun and parodies a lot of uh kind of your uh, like a stereotypical, you know, JRPG style of games. You start the game off, it's like a game within a game. Like, your character is playing this RPG, and the sprites are awesome. They're just really, really big. I try to think back and and think of, like, what I would have thought of this game back in 97 on the PlayStation. And just visually, like, I I, I think it looks so fantastic. And this actually ties into our feature discussion that we're going to be having later on a little bit, too. Um, But you you play through that opening bit, that kind of game within a game. And you get to the point where your mom, like, basically tells you it's time for bed. So your character turns off the, the game. It's called the game station, but looks just like a PlayStation in there. It looks really funny. Um, and he goes to sleep. Uh, but somehow the game station turns back on and this game pops back on and somehow sucks the character into the game itself. So now the main character uh, is basically in that game, in that universe. And you're basically just trying to kind of figure out like what's going on. Uh, but it's really interesting. I'm very early into the game. I've only maybe about 45 minutes or so into it, but I, I still wanted to kind of talk about it uh, just to get it out there. But it's, it's really an interesting style of game uh, where it's kind of eschews the whole combat and everything. And you're pro- supposed to be kind of like spreading love and like joy and positivity mm-hmm. into the world. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an interesting, you know, take on uh, a RPG. Apparently Undertale took yep. a lot of inspiration from this that, game. But everybody knows. And, and right. <laughs> and uh, I, I guess the original creator even, you know, has publicly said that they, they took it from this game. Um, and Caitlin has been playing this a bunch too. So it's, it's been kind of fun. She was actually over here earlier today and we were kind of talking about the game and everything. And we actually started playing it a little bit, but I love the, the way the, like the backgrounds and the environments are, are done. It's interesting because <clears throat> they look like they're pixel based, but they also somehow have like a, like sometimes it looks it like looks a watercolor. Yeah. It looks pre-rendered, but it's done and it has like almost like um like an oil painting or, or or style of like look to it. Um it and I found me, that just I mean okay. if anybody can if anybody's never seen it, if you think of like how Final Fantasy eight, maybe nine, and uh more more than anything, I think of Silver that was on the Dreamcast and PC. Um oh, yeah. how the characters are very clearly not part of the world they're running around in, but it it's not so jarring as those. It this blends it a little better. Yeah. It looks like honestly um, the world could be something out of Rayman, the Rayman games. It does. It's just it it's, it's yeah, it's like really um kind of de- almost deformed in such a way. Um and 
I just the, the it has really cool like character portraits, just like little things that pop up. The way the uh, a lot of the um, designs of some of the uh, enemies look like they could be a summon from like Final Fantasy VII or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. like it's it, you could see it's very open um, and unabashed, even of like the stuff that it's kind of pulling from the you know stereotypical jrpgs and stuff that have come before it um it's just very self-aware the writing is really well done i don't know um oh boy i don't know i just looked it up on ebay and some psycho is trying to sell the original version for three thousand five hundred dollars yeah i don't know i don't know if that's because of it just came out or if this game is like really worth a ton of money that's but um yeah I'm just I I'm happy that this was localized um and released on the Switch. Uh it's a perfect game for the Switch. It's only like $18 too. It's, okay. it's fairly, you know, it's still like that sub 20 kind of budget price. So I I definitely suggest you guys go play this because it's um it seems to be very interesting so far and I'm really looking forward to jumping into it some more. I think I'm going to play it more before I jump into Control Graham. Oh, you son of a gun. I mean, <laughs> that's just the adult uh, way of handling RPGs. If you don't tackle it immediately, it's never happening. True. Exactly. That's fair. But uh, just by reading your description on our outline, I have bought the game on the Jesus Switch. Christ. So, oh. <laughs> it isn't, it yeah. isn't a podcast until Graham buys something that <laughs> yeah, we right. <laughs> yeah. told him about. In the outline, I was like, that sounds interesting. I went to the store on the Switch. It's like, oh, it's pretty cheap. And then I looked at it, I was like... Yeah, I think I'm going to enjoy this. This seems like my kind of cup of tea. Uh, so, yeah. The idea behind it, though, and this is a more modern game, so obviously it would be based on Moon. Um, there's a game that's, I can't remember, I think it's on the PS4. It's also on the Xbox One. It's a very, like, 16 or 8-bit style retro 2D platformer style game about a guy, I think he's, like, playing Dungeons & Dragons at his friend's house, and he goes to, like, the bathroom, and when he goes to the bathroom, he's, or he's like in a, or they're in a pub or something, he goes right down a corridor, and suddenly he's actually in a corridor for like a dungeon or something, like a castle, and he's trapped in this weird castle world. Oh. And he's, so he's like self-aware that he's in a sort of video game world. Um, I can't remember what it's called for the life of me, though. It came out two or three years ago. Um, I've got it on my Xbox. I can't remember what it's called at the moment. Um, do, you guys, yes. do you guys know it? Anyway, I, it's not ringing a bell at all. <laughs> okay. <for me>. Uh- <laughs> It sounds Hopefully the like, audience is screaming right now. Maybe. It sounds like it could even be like Saturday morning RPG, but I have no idea, honestly. Yeah, I just tried to quickly look it up online. I couldn't actually find my description in, in Google. Wasn't I typed in video game starts in restroom RPG and didn't really come up with much. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I typed in Xbox One retro style platform. A guy gets trapped in a video game. Dung. I wrote that wrong video game done for some reason uh yeah no i it's not coming up so no anyway that's kind of what it reminded me of and that's quite a fun game because it's got like those sort of self-aware jokes and stuff and i'm from what i've read and seen the screenshots of this it does does seem quite interesting so yeah yeah cool nice one yeah well i look forward to hearing more about that in the weeks to come will do scotty what is your uh, pick of the week? Uh, since we recorded last, I haven't done much, but I did get to watch Bill and Ted Face the Music because that just came out. Oh. Brand new movie. Um, they released it digitally because COVID. And 
they want to actually get it out to people. Um, Bill and Ted 1 and 2, that came out, well, first one was like 80-something, and the second one, I think, was 90s. I don't remember. Should have looked that up. Should have had I right. think it was like 89 and 91 or something like that. It was like the first one was right at the end of the 80s. Um, okay. And I think the second one was like right Ted at the end of the 80s. Eighty-nine, he said. Okay. Eighty-nine and ninety-two for Vegas Shirley. Ninety-two. Okay, okay. that makes okay. sense. That was close. Um, <clears throat> yes, this. I mean, you're you're. It's a gamble to make a sequel to a beloved franchise. I would argue that Bill and Ted is one of the more cultural, impactful movies of that time. That wasn't a horror movie or wasn't uh, adventure not Star Wars thing, because everybody says be excellent to each other. Um, but yeah, Bill and Ted 3, for those that have no idea, uh, it's Bill and Ted. They have to write the perfect song to save the universe, essentially. Their daughters are in it now, um, and they have to travel through time to do this sort of thing. Um, I can't Ooh. say a whole lot without spoiling, but it was just good vibes, good positive energy all around there were some jokes that really fell flat and there's a character that i kind of thought was dumb but i won't say anything about that um spoilers there's eventually an assassin that's trying to get bill and ted and he is basically the playstation 5 in human form the way that he looks because <laughs> he is white with like glowing blue parts um wow and uh no but it's good it's fun there there's musical references here and there uh and there's references to the other movies here and there um the guy who played death and i can't remember his name was the bad guy in die hard 2 is uh is awesome oh yeah um, william sadler yes yep 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 he's back uh it's fun it's a good movie it's a positive movie it's definitely what people need right now and i almost honestly teared up at the end because of just the happy feeling that it is as a movie uh, okay. It's just as goofy and go lucky as the other ones. I was really afraid. You feel it? Do you feel it captures the same vibe of the first two movies? Um, it's hard to do that because those movies are very much from their era, and mm -hmm. like this one is, it could have been referential to the nth degree, but it's not. Um, okay. But I think it's still it's just a fun, clueless thing, and it is. Um, I lost my train of thought now. Silly. I'll ask you this. How well do you think um, Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves were able to jump back oh, into those characters? That's kind of what I was going to say, because the trailer, it really made it look like Keanu was phoning it in and only Alex Winter was trying to be Bill again. Um, but they but as you go on, it's pretty great. It, and, and there is a lot more of just their cluelessness and their goofy characters, I think, because that's the thing with Bill and Ted is that is. Everybody says Keanu is the same character in every movie, like since the Matrix and like they'll say like Constantine essentially is Matrix four and stuff like that. Um, but if you go back to Bill and Ted, like that was the role that he was just totally different from anything else he's done. Yeah, um, I think he it's not as strong as in this one, but it but you do still believe that he is that same character. Uh, That's and cool. it's. It's fun. It's just it, it was short. It's only an hour and a half. I think they could have honestly made it another fifteen or half an hour uh, long. Um, my only mm. solid complaint is the ending feels very abrupt. No spoilers again, but it's a good time, and part of me kind of hopes they don't go anywhere else with it. But the if you read through the credits, the way things are named, there's 
they're probably going to try another one. Ooh. I'd be fine if this was the end, though. But I will say overall, okay. I I will be happy when this gets a Blu-ray release to add, because I have Bill and Ted 1 and 2. I'll happily add this to my collection in the Bill and Ted That's trilogy. Cool. So I dug it. It was a good time. How is it without George Carlin, who played Rufus? Um, the, it's the, it's sad that he's the not there. Uh, they, I think they respectfully include him. Uh, and it's actually kind of a plot point that he's even in it, so to speak. Uh, they didn't go okay. full Star Wars or anything with this, thank okay. God. Um, and, and and actually, his uh, his real-life daughter is in the film somewhere. Okay. I don't know what she looks like, so I didn't know who to look for, but she is actually in the film. Cool. And I, I actually, I, to be honest, I don't know much about the movie because I've tried to stay away from trailers and stuff because this is one of those movies I know I'm going to see. So I don't need to see the trailers for it, basically. I don't want any spoilers. However, I have to ask, are the the girls in it, you know, the sort of love interest yeah. from the original Oh, oh they're, they they're wives, they're wives. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yes, yes, yeah. yes. yes. Not, I don't cool. think they're the same actresses. I don't oh, think they okay. are, but I couldn't tell you for sure. Hey. Um, but yeah, they're in it. Just about everyone that you would expect. Mm, okay. It's a good movie. <laughs> okay. Perfect. I'm I'm happy to I'm happy to watch it. That's I was, that sounds I was fine. I, I will say my final my final thing on it. It was twenty bucks to rent this. I had no problem paying that much because I enjoyed it. Okay. Uh, I'm going to get it tonight, but you can purchase it for twenty five. So I'm just going to buy the full. I thought about that, but yeah, I was I like, I'm going to get this Blu-ray. But I want like I want this movie to do well. So opening weekend is when you got to do that, I guess. So. Where, where for for the listeners and everyone, where did you where did you rent it from? I did the PlayStation Store because it was the easiest to get to. Okay, cool. Rather than trying to find so, out like, what was app on, it was on. So. I think so. Yeah, okay. I want to say before we end that according to IMDb, Bogus Journey was released on July 19th of 1991. Oh! So, oh, oh, okay. I'm okay. right. I was right. I said 89 and 91. I just wanted to be on yeah. record and, and correct it. That's so. uh. So uh, the Wikipedia thing popped up for me. It said ninety-two. Yeah, weird. you're on the UK oh, Wikipedia because I'm in the UK. It's, it's recognizing I'm in the UK, and it says it says United Kingdom next year. I, I missed that bit. Sorry. Oh, came out ninety-two in the UK. So I'm also right. January ninety-two. <laughs> yeah, right at the start, third of January. Yeah, like three days in to ninety-two, we had it. So anyway, <laughs> yeah, I'm watching it tonight. Though I'm super excited about it. I'm, they definitely I, could have done. A different way with it being 2020 now and being like oh but we're not even on spotify they don't do stuff like this so i, I appreciated that they didn't try to make it topical okay yeah. yeah those those things they don't hold up you know um over time it it might give you a chuckle yeah at the time like, you, know, when you first watch it but after a year or two after that the, are... the amount of movies I've seen from the early 2000s, which talk about MySpace and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like, as in, it's like, oh, yeah, I've got, got MySpace. Or, I, I kind of like it now, though. I, it's I, kind of funny I find it funny, happen. but I think that people just missed it. Like, your kids would just be like, what are they talking about? Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. for it's us, not, it's kind of like, oh, oh, MySpace, I missed that. But yeah, the, uh, the, the director or writers probably weren't thinking you're going to be laughing at it. Rather yeah. Than yeah. Of it, A but, prime um, example exactly. of that. Have you guys seen Wreck-It Ralph 2? Yes. yes that is not going to age well. Give it another 10 I... years, and that movie will not be as funny as it is now. 
Well, right, because like half the like little places they go to may be called something else or be not around and stuff. Mm. Like, I just I, I remember watching that and thinking like some up. jokes when it came out were already kind of old. <laughs> but that's the yeah. risky run trying to make a movie about the internet. So yeah, yeah, but go see it. I think you'll definitely enjoy it, Chris. I don't want to hype it up too much, but I know you'll dig it. Yeah, I, I think I know what to expect from this movie. Um, I've I've been waiting for this for a long time. <laughs> I'm a I'm a big fan of Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves. Um, and of course these characters are great. So can't wait. Awesome. I might look at renting that for. We got I've got Monday off. It's a public holiday, so I may actually look at renting oh, it and watching it tomorrow. Uh, stay through the credits. Also. Oh, okay. Um, oh, Grant, credits. It doesn't, out, it doesn't come out in the UK until you're after the US release. So. Oh, of course. I, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> January 2021. <laughs> I get to watch it. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Uh, uh, I, 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 is there any more, any more of that, Scotty? No. I was just, I was pleasantly surprised. I think it might have played it safe, but I, it still caught me off guard a couple of times and I really dug it. Sweet. Excellent. Perfect. So my pick of the week is uh, Advent Rising, which we've mentioned a couple of times on the show before um, as as long term watchers of the show or recent long term watchers of the show will know that Chris convinced me to buy Advent Rising. And we've actually since been streaming it on Friday nights. We're probably about halfway through. I don't know, Chris, you played the game before. I haven't. Uh, but that's my pick of the week this week because I've been really digging it. We've played it. We've had three. I think there's only three live streams of it, but we've been playing a couple of hours at a time each time, so about six hours into the game. Um, I love it. If you don't know about it, it was released uh, in 2005 on the original Xbox and also the PC, and in 2006, it was actually released on Steam. I didn't realize it had been on Steam that long, actually, until I Googled it earlier. Um, and it's uh, it's one of those games that we, we've spoken about it before, how it, it feels like it's taken inspiration from some big shooters of the time, especially Halo. And partly in the sort of sci-fi setting and sort of the human race is basically on the verge of extinction. And also just like the aesthetics and the weapons they use, they're kind of very Halo-esque. And the epics are also orchestral soundtrack that's used in it. Um, but uh, we've we've got to a certain point in the game where it's, it's separated quite far away from Halo now. Um, in fact, I was con- comparing it to Control, um, the game, the modern game that's on the Xbox One and PS4 and stuff, which, because essentially you unlock these powers so you can like levitate uh, enemies and items and stuff and throw them around and it gets really badass you are basically like a jedi in the game and i'm really enjoying it so far it's got um i think the storyline's really good actually it's a uh, i mean it's not a groundbreaking storyline it's quite a generic sort of sci-fi storyline but it's, it's entertaining and enjoyable enough i think the the good twist in it is the fact that humans um were almost godlike a godlike species uh, several hundred thousands of years ago, or whatever, and um, an alien race sort of worshipped us effectively, and then we we were on Earth and we sort of lost those powers and abilities, and we're using technology more and more. Uh, but this alien race is basically helping us to unlock those abilities again. But another race is kind of attacking us and trying to wipe us out. Um, so that's kind of a little bit different. And I just I'm mean, really digging the storyline. I think it's got some really impressive cutscenes, especially for its time. And uh, there's some really cool actually actually scenes. It's got a terrible early 2000s sort of script, and I love it. Nice. Yeah, the dialogue it's just is so bad. bad dialogue. Oh wow, it's like you know the kind of Give like me a the, line. What's a good line? Dude, I, I can't. 
His girlfriend has a lot of bad one-liners. Yeah, his girlfriend's got really terrible one-liners. Yeah. Wow. Um, but it's 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 not that the voice acting is bad. Because oh, yeah. The, yeah. one of the, the guys, um, the, the main character that voices the main character, I guess, was also in Batman Beyond. Voice. It's Batman from Batman Beyond, basically. Okay. Oh. And so it's funny because a lot of the guys in the stream are like, I can't stop hearing like Batman talking when right. I'm watching yeah. this. Um, which is really funny, but it's so yeah. The the voice acting itself, I think, is fine. It's just the dialogue, like what they had to read, is just very bad. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's but it's it's it kind of works though. It's it's one of those ones that it's oh, okay. It feels like it's all... okay. Is that is that the that he is Batman, Batman Beyond, and Batman the Animated Series, and the um Arkham Asylum Arkham uh, okay. stuff game. Yeah, he I'll is just Batman. double double check. He's just waiting for Price's role as um, that's like Gideon. that's like. Um, did you guys play oh. the first Doom? Mm-hmm. The yeah. first Doom, uh, Samuel Hayden is voiced by someone who sounds like exactly like Optimus Prime's voice, but it's not that same voice actor. But that's all I could hear is just Optimus Prime talking to me the whole time. God, I wish I could have that every day of my life. Yeah, I think. What are you looking up there, Graham? I'm actually looking. I don't think that is that is the. I don't think that is the voice actor. Uh oh. Uh, Peter Cullen uh, is Optimus Prime, though. I wanted to make sure I mentioned his name. Why is it not coming up? Um, so there's a guy called. There's a guy called Will Friedel, or Friedel, who is also he plays second Batman or something. Is it Vidal? V i d a l. Is Stephen Marks the main guy you play as? Stephen Marks, whatever. Is it Will? No, that's the Gideon, isn't it? He, there's, it says Will Will Friedel or Friedel as Terry McGinnis, the second Batman, under the pretense oh. of doing errands for Bruce. Terry okay, fights to climb as a new Batman. Um, you mean Batman? So yeah, Batman. Um, well, let's actually going to quickly go to IMDb next. This is now going to bug me. We'll probably have to cut this after the show. I was thinking you meant who who is Bruce. So yeah, that, uh, that is oh, yeah. that is Terry um, McGinnis. Yeah. And was was he? Yes, he is the guy from uh, Advent Rising. Gideon uh, Wyeth is the main character. So yes, uh, the new Batman from Batman Beyond is okay. the voice in this. Terry. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Um, they've got some really good actors in this, and the, yeah, the acting is fine. Uh, it's just the yeah, the script is it's it feels like an early two thousands kind of teen American movie kind of script kind yeah. of thing if that makes sense yep. uh but in a sci- futuristic sci-fi setting so it doesn't really work but at the same time it's it's just funny it's fine i'm enjoying it i think it's great and as i said chris and i are playing through it on twitch uh every friday night at the moment um but chris have you got because you've been watching me play it and you played it originally have you got any thoughts is it bringing back good memories for you or it is you I, I mean i played this when it came out and i haven't really picked it up since so um this is bringing back a lot of memories for me that I've, I forgot about this game. But one of the the coolest things about it and that I'm really enjoying seeing it a lot is how the game handles you unlocking your new abilities because it doesn't all just happen at once. Like it's as you coming, like something will trigger your character and it like somehow unlocks it. That part is just kind of an afterthought. They don't really do a lot to explain like why he's, unlocking these new abilities or anything like that they're just kind of coming to them but as you get that and as it unlocks new ways of like gameplay and new mechanics and things like that i remember playing it for the first time and thought that that aspect of the game was so awesome because i felt 
like my character was becoming a god in it, it, itself. You know, it's like, like Graham said, it's kind of like a Jedi. Um, but just seeing you go from this like little, you know, space pilot. And now he's fucking like making shit like levitate and stuff. And what's awesome, he's got like these like missiles that he can shoot out like these uh, plasma like, on pulse or something. Yeah. And, but you can also, and you assign those to your like right hand and left hand. Um, and you can mix and match it, which is really cool too. So you can have like um, a magic, I guess, spell, if you want to call it that, or power in one wow. hand and, and then hold a gun in the other. So you can like have a, a, a power where you can make up uh, someone levitate and then you can hold them up in the air. And as you can like use it to shoot him with a gun, which is pretty crazy, or you can use that same uh, ability to hold them up and then you can shoot like Aeon pulses into them. Um, <laughs> and there's another one where you can throw someone. So it's kind of like a force push in a way. Um, but there's this outside scene where you have to actually have oh, to go I... space on this kind of like spacewalk. And all these enemies are coming at you. But Graham was just flinging them into deep space. Like, it was like, we were joking because it's the most, like, like dangerous platform ever for just, like, if you look at just the <laughs> logistics of sending people out to walk on this platform with no railings at all. Like, it, <laughs> Death Star looked like, you know, like, it passed all the OSHA inspections because um, this is just way worse. And yeah. so he's flinging them off like left <laughs> and right, and they can't do anything. I it's the most that. easy, silly level in any video game I've seen because it's just he just walks and just flings them anytime someone comes it's and they great. just fly into deep space. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, like, oh my god, this is such a crazy level. Yeah. Murdering, like, clip that if you haven't, Graham. <laughs> I would try to clip it, but um, I guess I wasn't logged in into my browser that I was watching, so it wouldn't let me clip it. Right, and so I don't know if we're able to do that um, after the fact. But if you can, it's certainly worth. Okay, Graham, we got to do that because it's Uh, it is totally worth it. Oh, and then I forgot the best part. Yeah, we find out one of the (laughs) one of the bosses is literally called Baraka Obama. Oh God. But the thing is, it's weird. This game came out in 2005 before Obama was president or before any of that stuff. Yeah. So I don't they they couldn't have named this character after him. It's, 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 it's a different spelling. But when you read it out loud, it does say Barack Obama. Basically, it's, really yeah, it's weird. like Baraka, like <laughs> Obama or something like Obama. It's weird. But when you say it phonetically, yeah, it's like says barack obama it's re- really crazy and when he we... wasn't even senator until well he was senator in 2005 so yes yeah, and somebody's so... from like illinois that made that game and really love him <laughs> i can't imagine they would do that over a senator but um i i think it just is just a weird coincidence i don't i don't see how anyone else could do it but um because it had nothing to do with person barack obama it was actually a pretty neat uh boss battle i thought too graham yeah it's pretty fun yeah the it's um because so far the boss battles haven't been that good like they're very easy and this was actually one I actually chat i think i died like four times trying to actually beat this per- i couldn't tell if it's meant to be a girl or a guy um so but uh as an alien it's basically a space alien so i guess gender's not really I don't know. Um, we, have, I will, we have to admit, though, to Graham, that you we've had to go to a walkthrough on a few. Yeah, so, 
on that on that boss battle, I was basically standing there just shooting this thing from a distance because I had a shield power and I could sort of hide behind the shield. And it didn't seem to be hurting the boss at all. So I was like, dude, this is gonna take ages. May as well just like look at a guide. And so yeah, Chris started no looking at guides. And there was another there was another there's one other thing. This is almost like a complaint about the game. It doesn't really tell you where to go. Like hmm. the objective will be like, go meet up with this person. It's like where is that person? I literally no freaking clue. And like, I basically walked up to this like bridge area of the ship and like was killing everything. We got there. There's like no buttons to press anything. It's like, what do we do now? Go back to where we just come, came from basically and meet up with this guy who was with us fighting everybody and then just disappeared. But it's just like, it's weird. Bit. Like, so I was like, as I walked around, I was like, it's like going back. And I was like, this can't be the way I've got to go. I've got to be something back on the bridge. So yeah. Um, that was a bit of, that's one complaint. There's been a few times we've got lost. And so Chris, again, had to look at the, the guide for that. He's like, yeah, go back, go down this corridor. I was like, I've just come from there. And then another door happened to open or something. But it's like, mm. there's no way to know that's going to happen. But there's yeah. no cutscenes to show you this door is now open or the guides go, come on, follow me back this way or something like that. So that's one complaint. Um, but it's really cool. When you get the powers, there's like a pulse power, which is sort of just this weird pulse shockwave thing. And there's a bit where these ships come in and like start attacking you on the speech. But I was just standing like, like it was funny. Chris was like, oh yeah, by the way, you can like totally like push those um, rockets back at the ships. And I thought he was joking because Chris always says stuff to mess with me. Yeah. And I was like, no way. And then I did it and it worked. I was just like, this is awesome. It's like, like just firing these missiles back at them. I thought that was really cool. Uh, it's, really, a, it's a fun game. Going for it. Like I would have, I would love for, this series to have continued i mm. think like especially if God, they could have yeah. yeah um if they could have polished the game because that's really what i think the game's lacking um just polish like for instance like they need to have some sort of waypoint system in this um that i'm talking about is just like going in and fixing those type of things um yeah and that's what you know that's that makes this game the difference between like you know being a second or third tier you know shooter to, you know and being like a halo or something like that that's yeah. like a you know a legit triple a game it just doesn't doesn't have that but if they could have you know put the money into it if this game was a success and because this was a planned trilogy and so they could have done um advent i can't remember what it wasn't gonna be advent rising Two. each it was advent and then something okay um and else Risen. um yeah, Advent, <laughs> still rising, but um, I think it would they could have done some really cool stuff and and continued to build upon um, the gameplay mechanics and everything else. Um, it's just a shame that it basically tanked, and yeah. we got this one game, and we'll never see you know anything. Yeah, after I'd, I'd actually love to see a remake of this game. To be honest, I just think it'd be pretty everything, awesome. Modern technology and everything. Everything you guys say about it for some, and maybe it's because you get God mode essentially, just reminds me so much of my experience with Resistance 2 on the PS3. Because that's how that game ends, is you become a God. And you're like, oh, really? there's just enemies coming at you, and you're literally like going like this, and just them and their guns and bullets just fly to the right. And <laughs> it's just, and then I love that gameplay, the shit out of the co op. The third one came out, and it was just like clearly meeting financial ends they had to make this game because they were legally required to at that point but it just fell so far off uh, um and it, and did it, it continue the powers or no that i do you care about spoilers 
I, I don't care. It's, it's an old game. I actually the, own Resistance 1 and 2. Resistance 1 and 2, you play the character you play as at the end of the second game, one of the members of your squad shoots him and kills him. That's the last scene is the main character dies in Resistance wow. 2. So a lot of it was like, how are you going to make the next game? And so it was really hyped up. And it always bums me out because everything that Gears of War does with the alien race and stuff is so similar to Resistance. So I feel like if Sony mm-hmm. had done it the right way, they honestly could have competed against Microsoft's Gears of War series. Uh, I just had, I always had so much more fun with Resistance, but it sounds very okay. similar to a lot of things with this. So, and the, the plot was just a cool idea. Instead of World War II, an alien race shows up. So you have to use these old guns and old technology against aliens. So yeah, I I like the idea of resistance. I have it on the PlayStation Three, and I played a little. I I just said I didn't play it, but I played a little bit of Resistance One. But at the same time, I had what's the other Killzone? I had Killzone. Oh yeah. I basically got my PS3 later. I got loads of games with it, quite cheap. Yeah. And I just thought Killzone was a better game, so I started playing Resistance. I was like, not enjoying this that much. So I played Killzone. I was like, this rough. is way good. Yeah, first one's um, rough. Second one's great, and the first one has a co-op campaign the second one has a different co-op campaign servers are not up for any longer in those but to give you an idea of how intense we were into those we had two tvs set up in my apartment during college and playing online with other people during this co-op mode and like there were like six people in our living room playing this game because you could split it up three ways on one tv and then be playing online um that's cool i just love that game so much and it i feel like it's similar to chris's love for this series how it just unfortunately went nowhere but was so strong at the beginning so it sounds like something i should definitely try yeah well come and join us on a friday night check us out (laughs) Um, you guys play when i'm in the middle of my work day yeah we finish it we finish like it's like five or six normally six o'clock uk time so it's like one o'clock your time i guess yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. so just have uh, a bathroom break I, for two hours. <laughs> yeah, hop no on. Just like I've got, I've got a problem. Chris, you're muted. You're muted. What were you saying? I was just saying. I was just saying. Get your phone and like sit it next to your computer monitor and just have that have the stream going. I mean, I could watch and listen to you guys while I'm working, but I just would not be able to actually contribute to anything. No, oh, that's that's fine. Just to do that. <laughs> or when you get a chance, go back and watch. Just go back and watch the streams. I should. You know. Yeah. These days, um, it's fun. I th- I think, I think it has enough good stuff going for it that it's worth a a a, a playthrough, uh, especially if you're a Halo fan, because I think there's some you can see where they took inspiration from Halo, mm-hmm. and I think it's just really neat to kind of experience that to see like what other developers at the time were trying to replicate with their own games. Um, while Halo was this juggernaut um, in the game industry, because around this time, man, if you weren't like Halo, the, Halo was everything. This was before, yeah. um, you know, like Modern Warfare got big, you know, before all the, any other big shooters today, Halo was like at the top of the game. And this is, this is like Advent Rising. This is like a game that they were trying to tell more of a a campaign. They were way focused on a campaign. This was not, had anything to do with like any multiplayer, but they were just trying to tell like a really captivating sci-fi story and like an epic on a huge scale and create this new series that they were hoping, you know, would be on the level of, of a halo. Mm. And it just never, it just never reached that point for them, you know, sad, but yeah. 
but yeah so i guess that will do it for our picks of the week um yeah so we'll take one more break and we'll be right back with our feature discussion so stay tuned I want to let you guys know that Megavisions has a Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Megavisions. And when you're there, you can choose to uh, get either a physical or digital issue of the magazine. Uh, We ship uh, worldwide, so you can get one wherever you live. And if you subscribe to the physical edition, you automatically receive the digital issue uh, as well. And we only charge your account when we're actually ready to ship an issue. So you don't have to worry about getting uh, random charges that you don't understand why they're coming your way. We are uh, very clear and we let everyone know uh, like the weeks leading up to when we're actually going to charge everyone's account. So uh, anyway, please go check it out. Uh, like I said, it's uh, www.patreon.com slash megavisions. Let's get it. I got showered weird. <laughs> showered um, weird. Sorry. Okay. No, my ears like are super itchy, but it and it feels like there's water in them still. So. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no more energy. I, I, sh- I showered with. I was doing a handstand, and apparently that's not right anymore. No like more. I don't know. Yeah, like, I let yeah, it go right yeah. up my butt, and I thought it'd be cleaner, but no, nothing's working. <laughs> no, 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 my ears are clogged. I don't. I don't know what happened. <laughs> oh dear. And welcome back. We are now moving on to our feature discussion. And as always, we're mixing up a little bit. And uh, this week, we are doing a feature called Alternate Gaming History. And the topic this week is, did 3D happen too soon? Um, So what we're doing is we're, for this feature, we're looking at a different point in video game history and ask, what if something was done a bit differently? And this time we're like asking uh, whether or not 3D gaming happened too soon. Should should the big three, Sega, Sony, and Nintendo, focus their consoles on 2D gaming at the time? Uh, or were they right in pushing the 3D graphics on their home systems when they did? And just a reminder, the Sega Saturn launched in November 1994 in Japan. Uh, Sony PlayStation was December 1994. And Nintendo 64 was a couple of years later, June 1996. But at Chris's the time, those were the three, the three big consoles of the time. Yeah, Chris's favorite date in the calendar. Um, but also a reminder, before the big three, which we think about when we talk about 3D gaming, there was the Philips CDI, which originally launched back in 1990. Um, there was an updated version released in 1991 and some other updated versions after that. Uh, there was a Panasonic 3DO in 1993. <laughs> Chris's powerhouse there. And... <laughs> Of course, the Atari Jaguar claimed to be the first 64-bit console in 1993, although there's controversy around that because it wasn't really 64-bit, but let's, let's scrape over that for now. But so, yeah, there were, in fact, six consoles in the early 90s which did start to dabble with 3D graphics, uh, but arguably the Saturn, the PlayStation, and the N64 were the ones that really drove it home and were really pushing for the 3D visuals. So... Um, yeah, is it? Um, it's. It's. I think. I guess as part of the introduction, it's clear that 
when you go back now to play some of those games, the 3D visuals don't hold up so well. Um, and there are some games that are almost unplayable now when you actually play them. Even back in the day when they were launched, some 3D games really were pushing the power of those systems or the developers didn't really know how to handle it. So they're actually quite unplayable even back in the day. Uh, they weren't, didn't really run very well for the systems they were designed for. So that really does raise the question, were the console manufacturers right to jump on 3D or did they do it too soon? So, Chris, what do you take away, buddy? Uh, I I absolutely think that they jumped on this too soon. I, I think the early and mid-90s, uh, the parts that they were using to put in these systems, they just weren't capable of pushing these 3D games. Uh, you know, like, if you look on at on the PC games of this era, like, the PCs could do that because, you know, they were able to still be, you know, a lot, you know, faster and everything. So you'd have good 3d games on on the pc but when you try to you know have these console games running on there that are were similar they just a lot of times they just played like crap um and and these games just don't really hold up that well when you go back and play them uh you know these days uh not you know you you can look at and i think that they honestly they should have just stuck with 2d like for the rest of this generation uh because i would have loved to seen like what the industry could have done with more 2d gaming and, and taking uh, 2d gaming and putting it on these, you know, for, for what they were at the time from the, in a console space, like these were the most powerful systems that we've ever had for home console. And I think seeing like how they could have really pushed 2d gaming um, in that time frame would have been awesome. Especially if you look back at like the best 2d games of this era, um, and some of the best looking ones like Symphony of the Night is one that I think most people would really kind of look at. That game still looks great today. It still looks it still looks so good. Um, and I think it holds up a lot better than some of the other games that had come out in this era. So um, I definitely think that the console uh, manufacturers just jumped the gun on this. I think that they thought 3D it was all the rage and they wanted to to show that their system is the one to get if you want real true 3d you know gameplay action or whatever um i just think that they missed the mark on this and it these systems just weren't ready and i'll even go um one step more and say that i don't think a home console was ready for th- true 3d gaming until the dreamcast i think Ooh. the dreamcast was the first one in 99 that was able to do it right because I mean, look what with like Sonic adventure, you can say, you know what you will about that game. Um, but I think it really did 3d gaming really well. Um, and I think the other games on that system, like, you know, NFL 2k, all the, all the visual concept sports games were top notch. Um, and you just didn't really see that from a lot of the other, uh, you know, 3D games that came before the the Dreamcast. So I'll go on record saying Dreamcast was the first real true 3D video game console, I think. Okay, Scotty, do you have a rebuttal for that? Or do you agree with what Chris says there? Um, I think that um, uh, arcades should have been the baseline. So I'll hop off of that um, because they should have paid more attention to... I mean, we were trying to... It's not on lines with the first home console Pac-Man compared to the arcade Pac-Man. Those were very different games. Um, but the there is a bug crawling up the wall in front of me. Uh, one second. 
Aren't you like, get it? Bugs? Well, something else fell, but I hate bugs. No, I would have not been able to focus on anything that was happening had I not killed him. Sorry, dead. Oh, no, man. Could have taken outside. Bugs are fine. Could have given it life. Uh, It was a freedom. It was an ant. Ants are useless. Ants ants are beautiful things. You you leave that alone. Let's talk about video games. Let's not get into that debate. That's another one for another. Should Scotty have killed that thing? What alternative real life history? Graham, we just um, got. It looks like we got. We we just got a comment on one of your old Sega nerds reviews for Headhunter. Oh, great game! Just now on it. So why is it is it a bot? Is it a bot selling? No, it like, wasn't. Like, I'm looking at wow. it. We published this in 2006. Great! Wow! Here we go. And then republished in 2014. Here it is. Um, the comment is from your lord and master. It okay. says, "An amazing game. Pity it's abandoned wear. It's Ooh, not really abandoned wear." Fourteen years later, <laughs> yeah. we've waited this entire time um, for that. The last comment was six years ago. I, do, I need to correct all that. Abandoned wear is a game that is literally not released and is abandoned. Surely. Uh, yeah, I don't I know. That's the definition of it, because Headhunter was released on Dreamcast and PlayStation 2, so... And it had a sequel, so not abandoned where. But yeah. it is yeah. a great game. So yes, you are right. So the arcades, uh, when the Saturn <laughs> and the PS1 were out, and the N64, should have been the baseline. Um, and the Saturn was... Ha- it launched with arcade ports of Daytona, Virtual Fighter 2, um, Virtual Cop, uh, those look. Virtual Fighter One, what you mean? Mm, oh, did it? Oh, yeah. what am I thinking? Yeah. Of? Th- from, I keep thinking of that, that one triple that pack out. that you got with it. If you bought the console later on, that had Virtual Fighter Two, Daytona, and Virtual Cop. Okay. Um, yeah, but I feel like they they were trying to make the uh, they should. Mm, let me start that thought over. Honestly, the Dreamcast and the PS2 era was when games were arcade perfect. And when polygons were comfortable on home hardware, I felt like, uh, and that was when, like, just look at Soul Calibur, launch game for the Dreamcast, and it had the arcade mode, but so many extra stuff in there. Uh, and it still actually holds up today. If you play Soul Calibur 1, it still looks mm. decent. Um, but I feel like consoles should have stayed with maybe the 2.5D stuff more than going into 3D stuff. Like, um, look at, like, a stall or uh, uh, what's what's that? Oh, crap. Uh, Pandemonium. Isn't okay. you guys ever play that game? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. or um, or uh, Tomba on the PS One. Mm-hmm. Um, Clockwork Knight. What's that? Clockwork Knight. Don't you yeah. play that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's got rendered, pre-rendered stuff. But like, it's, it, it's that's two D. But they've got like three D objects, like full forward and like mm-hmm. stuff in the background that comes and yeah. Anyway, yeah, or like Gex. Uh, well, Gex is not a good example of anything. The first one, but um. Like games, because I, I, I was trying to think of games that I love from that era that have not aged well at all. Sonic R is at the top of the list because, like, you look at Knuckles' <laughs> dreadlocks and they're just straight pieces of paper that drape off of his head. Like, he looks like a demolished umbrella is what his head looks like. <laughs> uh, Knuckles the demolished umbrella. That's what they call him. Um, and uh, other games that I just love from that era, though, Twisted Metal 1 and 2, um, Resident Evil, the first two games or a couple of games in that. Basically, any game where your characters have a face and hell no, those mouths are not moving when they're talking um, until. But then I was thinking like, well, Mega Man Legends was later on. 
and you at least had like ah uh-uh. like different expressions but not and the only way they were moving around was like and there were words going along with them and stuff um that i'm sure that plays real well for audio listeners but um <laughs> but another one that i you know you think of is of course the panzer dragoon games because those um i can't recommend oh, enough yeah. uh graham did you ever look at the panzer dragoon post-mortem thing from uh, gdc how they talked about like how no. those games were made essentially you should definitely check that out it's like a good hour so it might you might be able to watch it in spurts and stuff but they talk about yeah. how just the the models in that game like each what should have been a pixel or like just a piece of paper really was like a a cube or like a decahedron or something crazy like way more effort went into making each oh, small wow. bit of that game than it should have um which is probably also why no one's tried to recreate it but you know even games like metal gear solid the first metal gear that came out then but it's hard to look at that game now um even the the was it twin snakes that got ported to the gamecube i think um a lot of people mm-hmm say that game is bad or that version of it or something i i don't really know what's bad about it because i don't know that much about it um they i I know they added extra stuff to it which was just ridiculous there's a bit where he does like a backflip onto like a missile and like throws it back at someone or something crazy like that it's just like it's which wasn't in the original game and there's people just like this they've just ruined it they've they've Hmm. gone too far with certain things there's other things in it that was a bit ridiculous i mean metal gear is known for being like the most serious anime type game out there you know (laughs) it's borderline anime with some of the stuff that happens you're fighting a vampire at some point or something anyway um psychic stuff uh but yeah so i think um i think it of course he's gonna say this sega was taking the right route in thinking that it's should have stayed 2d because the 2d games are very strong on their console um but ps1 the playstation 1 was ready for 3d and they put out and it was easier to develop for so naturally they looked better on that console um i think that 3d games i think they would have been okay in that era if they had just waited a little longer and tried to experiment more with 2d than jumping as soon into 3d as they did um because by the time the ps2 Early PS2 and Dreamcast games, some of them don't look good, but like I said with Soul Calibur, that looked just fine. Um, I'm trying to think of other early Dreamcast games. Like Out Trigger was a very good arcade port. A lot of good arcade ports. Uh, Rival Schools is not called that. Project Justice. Um, you know, there was good 3D stuff on there. Uh, but yeah, that era was when they were ready for stuff. Cause, or just simply look at the Sega... Oh my god, the Shenmue demo on saturn versus what it ended up being on dreamcast like that Mm. console was not ready for what they were going to try to pull off with that um so i I think think that essentially what's that i was just saying i think that's a great example of like what you saw with shinmu when it was on the saturn and then ultimately you know what it became it's just obviously if they had continued down development it would have looked better than that you know animation that we saw in the saturn one but still like how much better would it have have really been able to look it just it wasn't ready to to fulfill i think um his vision to of what shimu was yeah i think um <laughs> excuse me sorry i think 3d it's okay that it came out this era but i think they tried too soon with it um and a prime example is if you look at the first siphon filter game <laughs> that game <laughs> is bad looking you are playing as cardboard people in it 
Um, so I think I don't don't, uh, my my last like final closing statement is I don't a hundred percent agree with Chris saying that it just should not have been done on that era, but I think it did happen too soon in that era. Yeah. Okay. I'll say I I agree. I definitely agree. Like the 2.5 D stuff was really good. Like I, I think that's probably where they should have really started leaning into, but from going from like, you know, all 2D and or like quasi 2D with some games and, you know, before it, but, and then just jumping into straight 3D, I think there was just such a, such a huge jump in, you know, everything that I don't, I just don't think the, the whole uh, industry was kind of ready for that yet. But, um, so yeah, I, I think you, you had a good point with the 2.5D gaming. That was, there was for sure some really good stuff there. Okay. So, my opinion is I think it was not too early for 3D graphics. And here's why. Um, see, I feel like at this time, the, the Saturn and PlayStation needed to adopt 3D graphics to really push forward with the industry, as, as it were. Because up until this point, the PC had been dabbling in 3D graphics in certain games, stuff that wasn't available on consoles. And before this point in time... Um, Game games were console things like you PCs did play games, but it wasn't really a thing that people would really buy a PC to play games. They'd buy a PC to do work on or you know school stuff or whatever. But games were like a little side thing. Um, however, this was around the point that the PC started to get better and better and better. And were actually pushing better visuals, and suddenly you soon found that oh wait a second, PC gate graphics and stuff are better than these consoles. Um, Arcade, arcade systems are gradual that up, Scotty. Uh, they were getting more and more into 3D. You had games mm-hmm. like Sega Rally, Virtual Fighter coming out, all this really good 3D graphics and stuff. And as I mentioned before, the Saturn and PlayStation weren't the first consoles to really dabble in 3D. You had the Philips CDI, which had a handful of like uh, games that started to use 3D graphics. Panasonic 3DO had a few more games that actually had 3D graphics in them. Atari Jaguar was using 3D graphics in quite a few of its games. Um, even the Super Nintendo and the Mega Drive had some games in it which actually were using 3D polygons, like Star Fox, like Virtual Racing, for example. Um, like those consoles, yeah, they're not known for 3D, but they were dabbling in mm. them. They're starting to yeah. do that. And we're at, this point in time, we're at this point in time where the industry was moving in that direction. And I think if, if the Saturn and PlayStation, if Sony and Sega both said, we're going to stick with 2D. We're just going to ignore the 3D. We might, you know, we might do a couple more Star Fox style things, but we're going to stick with 2D. I think at that point, the PC gaming scene would have probably exploded even more. And people would be like, whoa, why are we doing this when PC can do all this cool stuff? And I feel like they needed that. Also arcades as well. Like the Saturn was introducing arcade experiences into your home. Like Sega Rally is, I, I know Sega Rally is not the perfect port from the arcade visually, but it's the gameplay and everything of it's brilliant, and it does actually look good for its time. Um, I would admit, not every sat obviously, Saturn the Saturn technology wasn't really there properly for 3D compared to PlayStation, so a lot of Saturn games do look a bit ropey. But I feel like them dabbling in it, like with Clockwork Knight, bring introducing the 3D elements into it, the Panzer Dragoon game, the, pa- the Panzer Dragoon games, as you say, I think they actually play really well. I think. I know they look a bit muddy now, but I actually still enjoy the the look of those games, the aesthetics. Um, 
um so i feel like they needed to do this because there have been the three consoles just before it which were dabbling in it they were showing that it could be done pc games were getting more and more into 3d and like games like doom and stuff which was proving to be hugely popular the you couldn't replay them on these consoles which couldn't do 3d visuals you needed the playstation or the saturn which could do 3d i will admit the doom version of of on saturn is the worst port ever Um, it's so bad it's so bad but they then id then proved themselves um proved the saturn could handle 3d with quake have you have you played the Sega Saturn version of Quake? No, I really it, want... I, this is actually anti-Christmas. He lent it to me because I mentioned okay. how big of a OG Doom fan I am. Because um, I have this, and I have behind me the Game Boy Advance version of Doom, <laughs> which runs oh, better wow. than this dumb thing. Yeah. This is so <laughs> bad. Like, I was streaming yeah. it for fun when Doom Eternal came out, and um, I forget, there's a part in one of the levels where you're going across a bridge and there's platforms on the sides and you can definitely make it to those things to get to other areas. And I had to like, people were like, you can do that. You can do that. I'm like, okay, let me show you. Cause I had my camera on me. Like I had the controller and I was showing them in real time, how I turn or how I hit the D pad and how fast I actually turn. I'm like, I cannot do this in this game. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, it's, it was so bad, but the quake, the version of quake yeah. on the Saturn was brilliant it actually um, did better lighting effects than the pc original it was really good what they did with that yeah what um, was the because they did quake and they did another game where you, it's like an egyptian he- first person oh uh, exhumed. exhumed is that what it's called i thought it was yeah exhumed oh no um, it's called something different it's called something yeah. different in, in america it's called power something i think um, um i'll look it up I'll keep talking though called. but what i was okay. going to add to it was that like that those are decent games and unfortunately pricey <laughs> um but what was it where was i uh yeah so like the pc was starting to do this and i feel like this is the era that started the pc master race effectively as as they you know that that mm, common saying um that you know games that were coming out on both the so uh the sas and, and the playstation if they came on the pc the pc just looks better partly because these games were built on pcs um and the graphics cards they were using were sort of designed for that um but yeah um and as i say i feel like the saturn was introducing these 3d arcade experiences into home which i think would be lost without this era like sega rally virtual fighter virtual cop virtual on uh house of the dead sega touring cars there's so many games out there um yeah um and yeah, as i say the Saturn's not the best example of 3d visuals but it did help bring those games to the home um and i feel like it helped sega and and also sony were those stepping stones for the dreamcast for the playstation 2 and i would say this chris even if even if i wasn't even if i thought the saturn and playstation weren't the right time i feel like the n64 was the right time because mario 64 i still think looks great today for its time especially like i feel like like, you see yeah you you've got this weird thing about the, the the n64 looking terrible but I feel like the, all the visuals in Mario 64 were solid. Like on the Saturn and on the PlayStation, there oftentimes you'd see like a, a character, like um, their 3D formation would be there. And even if they're standing still, it's like kind of weirdly moving in a weird way as the, the polygons sort of move. That never happened on the N64. They, like Mario 64, the launch title for the game, the console, was beautiful. It was perfect. The, everything was solid about that game. And I feel like that would have been if the saturn and playstation the 32-bit era wasn't right the 64-bit and 64 era was right i feel like that is the point where and like 
especially for first person shooters like i think i feel like there's a few on the saturn and playstation which were good games but for like first person shooters really hit home on consoles on the n64 with the likes of goldeneye and perfect dark and turok those were like pc quality first person shooters on a console and it was so good so much fun um so yeah personally i feel like this was the era for 3d they needed that stepping stone because i feel i fear without that dreamcast games playstation 2 games wouldn't have looked as good as they did when they were first launched um they needed that stepping stone to build up their quality the, the ability to actually do all that 3d um you know processes development whatever build that skill set as it were you need that stepping stone so yeah i can't you're wrong that okay. game. it's driving me nuts <laughs> uh it, it's called like if you type in exhumed sega saturn it'll probably come up with the other All title right. say probably ah yeah power slave I, power slave there we go you had power in it <laughs> yeah that's a great game that's a great game on the saturn yeah um, i need to play i it. love it yeah it's um it's pretty tough and i also scared the crap out of me as a when i was younger trying to play it <laughs> <laughs> uh there's something about it like hearing these eagles that fly well i think they're vultures actually they just and like just flies down like oh you try to angle and like shoot and stuff um yeah okay so we've we've all we've each said our our pieces and opinions do we have any rebuttal do we agree with any of each other's views on these things or are we all you know solidly sticking to our guns and thinking no we're right i'll just say like I, i i will uh say i think scotty had a good point about the 2.5 d gaming um, so I, I, I would be happy with having that transition going, you know, during this time frame of like maybe in the beginning of this console generation, it was more 2D gaming with it going into 2.5D. And then maybe towards the end, maybe dabbling in some 3D stuff. That way, when you really did get to the PS2 era, you know, the developers were more ready to to make that transition. I think okay, like- so here's a okay. Actually, yeah, oh. Scotty, you go, you go ahead first. Well, go I was going to say to support my idea that I don't think they should have been le- entirely left for dead in that series or in that era. Um, Gex out of the Gecko is a really solid 3D platformer, and that was out later on. Uh, another good um, 3D type game, this, the Virtual On game, which just in rough to look at, but it was cool that that was on the Saturn. I'm trying to find out. And then the something that Graham reminded me of. Um, the 32X actually had some of the first like arcade ports from Sega that oh, yeah. like the Star Wars game is pretty good. Virtual Racing oh, on there is good. very close to the arcade port. Um, and actually Doom on the 32X is better than the Saturn version of Doom. <laughs> um, and Nuts. here we go. If if 32X lasted only slightly longer then maybe they would have been ready for the Saturn's hardware. And I'm, I'm going to, you can, make a picture of me with that uh, ball of yarn chart on and on the top of the wall it says like if the 32x lasted longer or something because i'm gonna (laughs) die on that hill that it would it would have helped sega if they had released it later and maybe developed it better um Mm. because there are some gems on the 32x but there are the i can't remember Sketchcraft said that it's like you're playing the last starfighter what was that other game on the 32x oh um, i love that game yeah, I can't remember what it's called. I never remember what it's called, uh, that one. It was Shadow Squadron, I think? Yes, that's the one. Um, yeah. So Beautiful. there were, like, 
it seemed maybe it's because they were more familiar with the Genesis hardware, but that the 32X games, some of them, it had potential. It's weird to say that. It's weird to even support the 32X in 2020. But the more I learned about it, the more I wish that it had a better chance because I think that could have been the stopgap to get to the Saturn if they had just maybe if they hadn't released the Sega CD or something. I mean, this is alternate history to the nth degree now. But <laughs> what I'm saying is that the 32X had a longer life cycle that maybe the Saturn would have been ready for 3D gaming from the get-go. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's that's a fair comment, maybe. Um, so. I, I have to ask this question, though. So, Chris, Scotty, if, if we were to say that, um, yeah, Sega and Sony didn't go with 3D for this era, this particular era, do you think we would have missed out on some really great titles? Like you've got Knights, you've got Panzer Dragoon, Zwei's Panzer Dragoon Saga, you've got Spyro the Dragon um, on, the, on the PlayStation, Bandicoot. like Crash Bandicoot. Um, you know, I hate that game, but I know people love it. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, all those games. Final Fantasy, you've got the Final Fantasy VII uh, on, the, on, the, on the PlayStation 1, but which that's... was like the system killer. Yeah. That's but got... look how it looks now, though. It looks like crap. But the at the time, people were like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I mean, if you look at, like, Xbox original games, people were like, oh, that looks crap now. At the time, you're like, whoa. Like, Sega Rally for me at the time was like, I'm in a real racing game right now. This is freaking awesome. Um, and then now I'm like, oh, it doesn't look that good. But at the time, you're like, wow, this is the best graphics I've ever seen. Um, so, yeah, would you think we'd have missed out on those games? Do you think this alternate history would have missed out those gems of that era? Because I feel like those were some of the games that were very much of that era. I know there have been Crash Bandicoot games since and Spyro games since, but at the time, that was something about those games. It was just, wow, it was beautiful for that era. It was perfect. So good. And I'm going to say it hand on heart. I don't think they've made a better 3D Mario game since Mario 64. I think that's the oh, best God. 3D Mario game oh, ever. God. I'm sorry. Mario Odyssey, I just don't get. I think it's fine. Not great. Sunshine sucked. Um, Let's not get uh, into Galaxy that. Okay. Okay. Anyway, yeah. But I feel like of, of its time, those those were games that really launched. I, I don't know. Those are the three D games I thought worked so well. I don't um, think Final Fantasy VII can support that argument because it's not a fully three okay. D game. Let's get that. Let's get this. Cut that out. Cut that out. Ignore that. Well, I what I'm saying think is, games are popular. What I'm saying <laughs> is though that game did well, or it, it. I think it's aged okay because you have the pre rendered stuff, and then the battles are three D. But that's not a full part of the game. Like, if they tried to make that full game 3D, it'd be a pile of crap. Um, and that's what, unfortunately, they try to do with other stuff. Like, I think if if they were ready for 3D, if Sega was ready for 3D, then Sonic Extreme would have happened. Sonic Extreme did not come out, and it's probably good that it didn't after seeing, like, what Sonic Jam's Sonic World was and Sonic R was. Oh, um, 3D I love Sonic Jam's Sonic a... World. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I mean, I love Sonic World. I'm <laughs> saying that, like, uh, like look at Sonic 3D Blast. That's not a 3D game. It's not 3D at all. That's sure. all pre-rendered isometric junk. Um, so I don't know where I was going. with. Oh, I was just going with this worth, like, FF7 is not a defense on 3D should have okay, happened that, that era because it was ignore, like... Ignore the comment. Like, I was literally trying to pull out place, popular PlayStation cards out of my head. I couldn't really think of any. Yeah. Gran Turismo. Gran Turismo. There we go. Gran Turismo. 3D racing game that like basically launched people into loving realistic racing games. Yeah, which is know. weird to think about. Did you think we'd have missed out on those games? Because... Like, I, I feel like we, I feel, if I feel it like, would have happened, we wouldn't have missed out on them for one, and they wouldn't have happened until 
they probably would if it they those games would have happened eventually but maybe they would have been on the ps2 or the xbox 360 uh, do you not okay so there's certain, like okay for the saturn let's give the saturn as a prime example here there are games that were ported from the arcade to the saturn which i think are part of my gaming experience my gaming history i've I grew up with them. I love them. Like Sega Rally and Virtual Fighter, for example. If if, if Sega skipped this, the 3D era for for that time, for like those, so the Saturn came out in like was it ninety four? It ended about ninety eight, ninety nine. That's like four or five years. It had gone to the Dreamcast. That's too late for those games to be released. We'd never seen Sega Rally on a console. Maybe Sega Rally two would have come out because it did come out on the on the Dreamcast. But I feel like I would have missed out on some beautiful games like uh, i still think sega, I sega today is still one of my favorite racing games they they still would have released them i i don't know i don't know if they would have like that's too old that's that you don't really see old retro arcade games coming out on new systems it's very rare to see virtual that. cop that would have been that was yeah. a big part of my childhood light, virtual light, cop. Gun, light gun games were prime in that era like yeah, yeah. you've got time crisis you've got virtual cop you've got house of the dead house of the dead is my favorite shooters of all time on the Dreamcast, you had a few. Xbox, you had a couple. PlayStation had a few. But then that kind of died a death. After that era, there's no more. Like, because it's just me. We, okay, we had a few, but the technology of TVs moved on that you couldn't reuse really light guns anymore. So it's kind of all redundant. Um, I, I, I just feel this. I, I feel it would be a. Okay, you're right, Chris. We wouldn't miss it because we wouldn't know about it. But I feel like that would be a shame almost. I feel like we've got a good good version of history here. <laughs> um i don't know i i'm gonna defend this to the death i i agree the technology on those systems wasn't the best but i feel like they needed that stepping stone to to start to bring out these brilliant games um like yeah the beginning uh, of anything looks horrible look at the first ipod mm-hmm. yeah with a physical click wheeling crap so it's um yeah i think i understand where chris is coming from for sure and but I do I stand firm that I think it still was okay to start in that era, but not launching the era. Right. Yeah. Do you do you think that Sega reacted to release three D games when they found out Sony was oh making yes one hundred percent because the Saturn like, was not yeah. made for that. Yeah, because that that's the one thing that always bugged me about the Saturn. They didn't really make it. They made it so it could do three D, but it wasn't really designed perfectly for three D. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's a, I think that's it's a my shame, closing really. statement though. Is like that era was okay for it, but it was the learning era, and mm. I think the Dreamcast era would not be as fondly remembered if we hadn't led. If we you got to put out some garbage before you put out the good stuff. Mm. And but uh, yeah, I just, I just, I I feel like if if we didn't have that era, I'd have missed out my favorite game of all time, Panzer Dragoon Saga. So. If there is an alternative reality you're going to create, Chris, I want to stay in this one. I will die here. <laughs> I'll die happy. It's fine. You guys continue. You go. You go into the future. I'll, I'll stay here. Pan's Dragoon Saga. <laughs> Any further thoughts, Chris? Sorry. You you're are muted. muted you're right muted. Now. You're muted. You're muted. I was just saying, I have no more thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> so, people at home. Uh, viewers listeners uh however you're watching or listening to this let us know your thoughts do you agree with chris do you agree with scotty uh, who's kind of in the middle and or do you agree with me which would be great because you know i'm normally wrong about this stuff um yeah 
so let us know your thoughts who's right would you would you can, can you see that alternate reality that alternate time of history or do you think they could have been done differently just let us know it would be great and i guess with that that wraps up the show for this week uh has anyone got any final thoughts for the whole show you all good all your opinions are wrong graham yep perfect love it all your base belong to us anyway for that uh take it easy everybody um and be excellent to each other yeah another what a shirt i'm gonna pour it on myself a little bit so we'll see oh i see what you're saying okay okay i thought we were i thought you're making a diarrhea joke and i was just trying to (laughs) figure out how that how that how badly you're having a time in the bathroom that your shirts are getting messy (laughs) you haven't seen some of my poops before Uh, that's correct Just wait till next year's Dreamcast uh, marathon. Great. It's going to be a different kind of swirl we're looking at. Oh, yeah, it will. God. Yeah. See? So wrong. Oh, brother. <laughs> what I was going to say has no relevance now to this, so. Oh, that's kind of cool. Okay, so we just, um, I just updated the, uh. Are you okay, Grant? The, like the website. I this describe does this every once in a while. He oh, goes on no. these laughing. Yeah. Oh, know? I remember it during the marathon. We thought something was <laughs> wrong. Doing... He could not stand oh. up. He had to like do a barrel roll out of the room into the kitchen. He's done this I've ever since I've known him. I love it. I love when he gets in with these little... It's not even that it's like five thirty over there for him. It's not even oh, I know, I know. I <laughs> What? You need to take a breath. gone by oh. bye chris what have you got oh god oh oh my god that's you guys i'm crying i'm gonna get outside Unfortunately, the RTX is too good to pick up his actual laughing, so it's just going to come through as, like, satanic rituals. (laughs) Oh, that'll sound good.
Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know yeah. what he was laughing at. We'll never know. Oh, oh, sorry. How are you feeling now, Graham? That was just beautiful. Well, well played, sirs. Well played. I still didn't hear what you thought was so funny. I have no <laughs> idea. <laughs> uh, so I had water in my mouth just then. Oh, God. <clears throat> it's not that funny anymore. But it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was. It was it's when Chris said, oh, I haven't seen you in my boots before. It's got this dead pad, just like, that is correct. <laughs> That's so funny. That Are you correct. serious? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Man, I should charge tickets. <laughs> I guess Graham loves American style humor uh, a lot. <laughs> Uh, that was just my genuine reaction. That's yeah. That's great. <laughs> That's why I love improv, I guess. <laughs>